Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. permeating through the household today. Is that what it is? I got to tell you, there's something really fun about singing something in your head all morning long and then hearing it in your earphones. <laughs> it's all part of the service here. It is like a special, just just like, I don't know, an exclamation point on my morning. I think a lot of guys wake up with Dua Leap on their mind. Well, for different reasons. <laughs> Monday, March 13th. Ty Boyd Studio, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, Jim Zoki, John Moore, and Dua Lipa. It's like WBT Dance Club. <laughs> I love this idea. You want to see me dancing with somebody? Don't come out. <laughs> I like the finger wag. <laughs> well, we have a lot to get to between now and 10 a.m. this morning. I, I keep saying it, but it's true. I mean, this may be the most jam-packed news day I've seen in a long, long time. And uh, the, the first big one happened late Friday afternoon. They, they have that uh, proverbial news dump, you know, they yes. say uh, news dump on a Friday afternoon. Well, for the Carolina Panthers, this was anything. This is the biggest story to hit the franchise in years. And that's saying something, uh, given the headlines in, in recent times. But the Carolina Panthers uh, decide to uh, just go all out and and trade for the number one pick in the draft. And this is the first time that we've been on the air since then. First time that we've had uh, WBT Sports Director Jim Zoki, part of the Carolina Panthers broadcast team. But uh, the Panthers are on the clock. Do you know why it happened then? Because I was in the middle of a round of golf. Because <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> and my phone starts <laughs> blowing up. What do you think about the trade? I'm like, the trade? <laughs> Did I get traded? <laughs> Where am I going? <laughs> and, uh, of course, I immediately go to Twitter, my one and only social media outlet. It's not on LinkedIn as quickly. Uh, so um, I look at that and go, dang. So I'm telling the guys I'm playing golf with, I go, we just got the first pick, and we traded half the team to get it. <laughs> okay, yeah, so I need I need this broken down in um, Beth terms. Like, this is how? How does this come about? Because I watched the movie Draft Day okay. with Kevin Costner, and I love the movie Draft Day. It is not a bad movie. Just to it's say that, really not. Uh, here on the heels of the Academy Awards, <laughs> it's not an Academy Award-winning movie, but I went into that movie thinking this is going to be so hokey. Kevin Costner, yeah. Draft Day. I'm a Browns fan, so it's about the Cleveland Browns, but it was actually okay. Yeah, I really liked it. Thought I, that the love uh, interest was a little off as far as oh uh, well, age yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't match well, up. Well, that's well. that that happens. But a beyond lot. that, so this trade is they only move up eight spots, but they get to number one just like the Cleveland Browns do in the movie, because they get a chance to draft whatever quarterback they want. And the Panthers know they want to get a quarterback. And the only way to guarantee they'll get one of the ones they want is to go all the way to the top. Uh, that way no one can jump in front of them to take the guys. I mean, there's four that will go probably pretty high, like in the top five to eight picks. But they're top two, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And then the other two it could turn out to be really well, but they're a little bit more unknown as far as will they be a franchise-type quarterback. So they trade the ninth pick, and they trade next year's first-round pick, 
They trade two second-round picks and D.J. Moore, their best wide receiver, just to move up eight spots. But on the other hand, it makes sense because it's so hard to find a quarterback. And if they just sat where they were at nine, the top four quarterbacks would be gone for sure right, if they right. didn't move up. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, I so, think. So the first, <laughs> the first reaction, well, first reaction for most people was, wow. Second reaction was, okay, which QB is it going to be? Because now you have your pick. Third one is, okay, once you get that guy, who's he going to throw to? Because now your, your, your main, your franchise wide receiver, DJ Moore, is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DJ Moore part, was that, was, was that surprising to you? Yeah, because they really, I mean, take it from the Chicago standpoint, Chicago got a lot. They got a haul. I mean, so they, they got a number one receiver. Uh, they only moved down eight spots in this draft. They got another number one and get two number two. So Chicago did really well. They've already got their quarterback, they think, in Justin Fields, who's just entering his third year. So they don't need a quarterback in their view. Uh, so they get a lot for just moving down eight spots. So you know, good for them. Uh, but for the Panthers, yeah, to give up D.J. Moore, who's at somewhat of a reasonable contract, who's young, who you know wants to be here. Um, that's that stuff because we really do have a lot of areas. Having traded Christian McCaffrey previously, your star running back, you've now traded your star wide receiver. Uh, you have to replenish that, and um, so they got some work to do uh, to, to fill those back in. No, I was just trying to uh, break this down for Beth because uh, everybody's kind of shocked and reacting to the the idea of the trade. Uh, you know, Friday into Saturday, and then the further you get into the weekend, you start hearing chatter about, wait a minute, they may not be done. Uh, they may perhaps, now this has not been, I mean, we don't know this, but there, there, there's speculation that maybe the Panthers, uh, if, if they end up being in a situation where they like more than one quarterback, they, they'd settle for, you know, one of three even, then, then you possibly consider trading down. And I was trying to explain to Beth exactly what that means, but I, I defer to you because you're you're uh, the expert, not me. Well, because they may like multiple quarterbacks. I mentioned C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young at the top. If they feel like they view them on an equal plane, two or three quarterbacks, they could trade with another team that wants for sure the number one pick and the guy they want. If the Panthers have multiple guys they're interested and feel good about, they could trade down a few spots and then recoup some other draft picks or a player or something like that to go back down. But at least they have that option available to them if that somebody overwhelms them with a great offer that really wants one of the top two quarterbacks. I feel like my brain is in a pretzel over all of this. <laughs> but here's my here's my biggest question. So we get first pick if we don't trade down, and we get the quarterback that we think is going to be great. Um I'd like to remind everyone, wasn't Baker Mayfield a first-round draft pick quarterback? All right. Mm. I just want to point that out. Also, if you've got a great quarterback, but you don't have anybody catch the ball, what are you going to do? Well, that would be the thing. Because they traded away DJ Moore. But if you trade down, then you get more picks, and maybe you get that guy. So am I crazy? Am I crazy for asking these questions, or am I just like just on the? You actually could be in the movie Draft Day. That's how smart that was because it really is spot on. Well, it is a number one pick does not guarantee success. Tom Brady was like a billion picks down. Right, six. He did see one ninety nine. Kyler Murray has not been great, and he was a number one overall pick. So yeah, no, absolutely, there's no guarantee that comes with. And what first was pick. that guy that was like a first round pick, and then he just totally tanked? What? Every quarterback for the Cleveland Browns for about a 15 year period. This that, guy that hurt me. Um, <laughs> I feel like his name had a leaf in it. Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf. <laughs> he was the second pick after Peyton Manning back in the day. <laughs> Look, you have been watching a lot more football than you let on about. Next segment, Beth breaks it down just by herself. <laughs> you are not just listening to Dua Lipa and looking at politics all day. WBT.
Anybody recognize this theme? Top Gun? No. I know. But, you know, it's, uh, I was going to think, no, it's been John. I, I know what it is because I know how much you love John Williams. This is The Fablemans. This is not. Oh! <laughs> no, this is, is this is Short Round's theme from Indiana Jones and oh, the Temple of Doom. Well, also John Williams. That's right, that's right. You're in the same ballpark there. And uh, we'll, we'll get to the reason why I play this in a moment. But first of all, last night, the 95th Oscars, I know you watched as much as possible before you fell asleep. Oh, I started watching the red carpet coverage <laughs> at like 2 o'clock yesterday. ABC started doing the pre- You mean the, they kept making a deal about the champagne carpet? I know. So it was called, it's funny because the show, the pre- the pre-red carpet red carpet show is called On the Red Carpet, and then they kept having to say On the Champagne Carpet. And I was like, well, that feels really bad for them. It was a tan carpet. The champagne I know. It was beige. Beige. It was absolutely 100% beige. So the 95th Oscars last night, and this is competing with uh, the uh, NCAA selection show and uh, all the analysis last night. So uh, I'm not saying that guys don't watch the Oscars, but this is one of those uh, those days where the, the lines were drawn in the sand, right, about who's going to watch what uh, for the most part. And then, you know, so, I, I, so for this show, I have to do both. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of flipping back and forth. I'm saying, all right, what's Jay Bill is saying about uh, the, the Southeast Regional? Then you go back over here and Best Supporting Actor. and then I have to – I have to um... – to let the audience in on something, though, um, Bo and I were live texting each other during the Oscars last night. As opposed to tape texting. <laughs> As opposed to recorded texting. Best of, best of texting. <laughs> but we, we really were texting each other like we were both sitting in our respective homes watching the Oscars. I legitimately had popcorn. I don't know if Bo did, but I was like, ah. Before we move on to the Oscar Oscars, did you guys see the... The pregame interview with Hugh Grant. Yes, what? Uh, we were watching that live in the kitchen. Yes, I heard, I heard we were about too. It. it was the most. It was awkward so. Moment. It was only like ninety seconds, but it was he so didn't want to be there at all, <laughs> and he just made it so evident. I mean, he just like deep breath, rolled eyes every time the girl Ashley, whatever her name was, asked him a question, and it was just so painfully awkward. Yes, it was, and then he did even just roll his eyes and shake his head as he walked away. But like, what are you wanting to see tonight? And he's like, What do you mean? What do I want to see? Like, are there people you want to see? And she's like, well, no. you're in a movie. He goes, for like three seconds. <laughs> Who do you want to see what? He goes, I, I don't care. I don't know. <laughs> it's I like, mean, this was literally, all his answers were like two seconds. He was not thrilled to be there, but completely made up for it. He he um, was one of the presenters. He came walking out with Andy McDowell, which, how amazing did Andy McDowell look? I She has just... She's embraced gray hair. She has aged gracefully. She hasn't done all the crazy weird stuff to her face or anything, you know? And, like, she's standing there, and they walk out together, and and Hugh Grant does this beautiful, funny moment where he said, Hello, everyone. This is a PSA for the importance of moisturizer, because Andy (laughs) McDowell has been using it every day for 29 years, and this is what she looks like. Are you going to finish the way he said it? I cannot cannot say what he said he looked like, but he, he did say that he had never used moisturizer. And he was very wrinkled. Okay, so uh, everybody would wonder, was wondering last night. I know they were. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel was the host. How long was it going to be before Jimmy Kimmel made mention of what everybody was talking about this time last year? Uh, and this is one of the things you and I were texting about. It did not take long. We know this is a special night for you. We uh, want you to have fun. We want you to feel safe. And most importantly, we want me to feel safe. So we have strict policies in place. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor <laughs> and permitted to give a 19-minute long speech. 
No, but seriously, the Academy has a crisis team in place. If anything unpredictable or violent happens during the ceremony, just do what you did last year. Nothing. <laughs> Sit there and do absolutely nothing. Maybe even give the assailant a hug. And if any of you get mad at a joke and decide you want to come up here and get jiggy with it, <laughs> it's not going to be easy. There are a few of my friends you're going to have to get through first. You're going to get, have to get through the heavyweight champ, Adonis Creed, before you get to me. You're going to have to do battle with Michelle Yeoh before you get to me. You are going to have to beat the Mandalorian before you get to me. You are going to have to tangle with Spider-Man. You are going to have to... You are going to have to tangle with Fableman. Of course, Fableman was Steven Spielberg. And, yes. and all of those that you just heard were in the crowd, and they obviously had been told about this because they all kind of looked at the camera each time. And, like, and they gave, Don't like, mess the, with me. the glare. I <laughs> thought Steven Spielberg's glare into the camera was probably one of the best ones. But I was glad that Jimmy Kimmel just, just stepped right into that because it was the elephant in the room. And it, I'm glad that they just kind of made a joke about it, especially that he said, so if you do it, we're going to give you the best actor award. Now, I, I mentioned coming into the break i played the the the, the, the short round theme from <gasps> from indiana jones i could have played the, the goonies theme uh this was da data and uh, short round and uh, kiwi kwan yeah. who 30 years after those movies comes back and wins best supporting actor last night for everything everywhere all at once my mom is 84 years old and she's at home watching mom i just want an oscar My journey started on a boat. I spent a year in a refugee camp. And somehow, I ended up here on Hollywood's biggest stage. And, and here's the thing. He's 51 years old, and he still somehow sounds like Data. He still sounds like, <laughs> I'm crying again. This is, you and I were live texting about this with live texting. I don't know why I keep calling it that, texting each other. <laughs> um, when this happened, I, I don't know why this chokes me up, but watching him win. You really are like I really up. am. When he got, when he looked at the camera and he thanked his mom. I Sorry, I have to stop. Well, the music's playing, so you have to go off stage right. anyways. We, br so we bring good. this segment to an end because Beth cannot go any further. <laughs> do you have Kleenex there in the studio? I do. Yeah, actually, okay. Thank you, Mark. I do. Here's a scrunchie. I have a, I have a, <laughs> I'm going to wipe my nose with a scrunchie. Um, what are you most excited to see tonight? To see? Yeah, well, I know that you probably watched a few of the movies. Are you excited to see anybody win? Do you have your hopes up for anyone? Um, not, not, no, no one in particular. Okay, well... What are you wearing tonight, then? Uh, just my suit. Your suit? Who yeah. made your suit? You didn't make it. Um, I can't remember. My tailor. That's okay. Yeah. Ta shout out to the tailor. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what does it feel like to be in Glass Onion? It was such an amazing film. I really loved it. I love a thriller. <laughs> How fun is it to shoot something like that? Well, I'm barely in it. I'm in it for about three seconds. Yeah, but still, you showed up and you had fun, right? Uh, almost. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs>
That's uh, <laughs> Ashley Graham is her name. She uh, was on the red carpet last night, or the, what, the champagne carpet? The champagne carpet. Talking to Hugh Hugh Grant, and before things even got going, I didn't actually, that's the first time I've heard that. I, I saw it, I, I, people were live texting about it yes. last mm-hmm. night, uh, or tweeting about it, <laughs> live texting you. <laughs> live t- <laughs> but, so I saw I saw uh, uh, people talking about it on Twitter, but I didn't actually, I've never actually heard it until just now, and you guys saw it. And so, I happen to see it live, and he I actually rolls too. his eyes as he walks off. And like, shakes his head. He's yeah. like, oh. I mean, he was actually acting like what he said when he went up to present later that Beth can't say. I know. That word. It's a, yeah. None of us can. I mean, well, we can I was trying to trick you into saying it. I was trying We're to trick you into saying it. To goad Beth into saying it, but it's how I was it trying to trick her into saying it, but she didn't. And, she, and you can't say it because he said it, but you probably shouldn't. Right. You can say it. It's, 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 an, it's an anatomically correct term. <laughs> 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 that he was being. <laughs> right, 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 right. Let's go to break, John Moore. Let's, uh, uh, so uh, here is another clip of uh, of something on the actual awards broadcast last night, and uh, I wondered if this was going to happen. And uh, judging by uh, some of the interviews that she did leading up to this last week, you knew if she won that she'd have a memorable speech. And, uh, yes, Jamie Lee Curtis oh! did win last night. Stop! I have 45 seconds, and I promised Janet Yang I wouldn't do it well because I'm a good girl. I know it looks like I'm standing up here by myself, but I am not. I am hundreds of people. I'm hundreds of people. I am the, where are the Daniels? Daniels, Jonathan, Leyline, the entire crew, my bae Michelle, Key, Steph, the entire art group of artists who made this movie. We just won an Oscar. Um, to my dream team, um, my agent Rick Kurtzman, Alan Wertheimer, Heidi Schaefer, Sean James, Grace Ahn, Jane Ross. We just won an Oscar. To my family, my beautiful husband, Christopher Guest. Our daughters, Annie and Ruby. My sister Kelly, we just won an Oscar. To all of the people who have supported the genre movies that I have made for all these years, the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, we just won an Oscar together! And my mother and my father were both nominated for Oscars in different categories. I just won an Oscar. And she won an Oscar for everything, everywhere, all at once, and Beth is crying she again. She lost Beth again. I'm crying again. I, I think it's... Beth the, just won an Oscar. <laughs> I think we, it's, we know what's going to happen now if she does. <laughs> I think it's when they think their parents is when I don't know why when she said that about... Because I cried last night, too, and Bo and I were live texting each other... I don't know why. I know, I know. I and then I went to bed, that. so I have no idea what happened after that. <laughs> we were texting, and um, it, it's funny. When 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 Ki Hui Kwan won, I, I texted him. I said, Dana won! <laughs> and Bo texted me back and said, you've got to love his speech. Only Jamie Lee Curtis could top that. And then 
a few minutes later, there she is up on the stage, and I wrote, OMG! And then he wrote me, here we go! Now, this is called, this is not live t- texting. This, this is, is best after of, the fact. This is best of texting. And then I texted it back. I'm just, I just cried, which I'm crying again now. And then he wrote, pure class, that's how it's done. And it's true. That was a classy moment, and it was beautiful. Everybody thought that, apparently, except Angela Bassett, because that's also a big story this morning, is yeah. how she did not clap and looked like she was genuinely surprised that she did not win because she was up in that category for a Best Supporting uh, a- Actress too. Uh, for the she was the favorite, yes, for she was Wakanda the Forever. So, uh, and there's always there always seems to be at these award shows one a moment where they try to get somebody's reaction mm-hmm. on camera, and, and you know it's usually like a real moment, like. You know, honestly, if, if if any one of us were nominated and we didn't win, you know, you you you're, you're you have that one split second where you you see some realness, and then oh, I got to start clapping. But you know, she didn't do that last night, so people are now saying, ah, well, she was feels sour. she was robbed, and she's sour grapes, and I don't know about that. But anyway, she looked beautiful. Her dress, Angela Bassett's dress, was stunning. She was in this purple, like flowy thing. The one person I need to, I don't even know who the actress was, but there was some actress or some. Uh, movie participant who was in the audience that had this big white yes. thing around Looked like close to the natural. Yes. Like this like glowing, blocking people out there. And, and, and I felt so bad for the people sitting behind her because you could see them like peeping around this giant. I, and it was lovely. It, whatever it was that was it, part of her I'm design. I'm sorry, but if you... Come but on. He, she was blocking the it's view of people. It's not lovely. I mean, you've got to have some, some self-awareness for the people around you. You're at the... Yeah. I, come on. I it know. I weird. felt so bad for all the people sitting behind her because it was probably like their first and maybe only Oscars. And they were literally like there was... At one point, I could see this woman's kind of right eye kind of on the side because she was trying to see Jimmy Kimmel, who was standing in the aisle doing some joke moments. Like he was asking questions of some of the actors. And the poor woman was trying and she was leaning on the person beside her and she had one eye that was just coming around that big white head. I don't know what that was. It was I, I think it was more of a collar on her dress. I think it was It a was co- an obstruction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, I uh, said so today's a huge news day. We uh, talked about the Oscars. We talked about the Panthers' blockbuster trade. When we come back, we need to talk about uh, what is happening. Joint action by the Fed, the Treasury, the FDIC, uh, and this, of course, surrounding Silicon Valley Bank. Mm. Uh, President Biden's going to make a, a special address this morning at 8 a.m. Uh, we'll be covering that. And our uh, financial news coming up will tell you the latest on what we know with this situation. But a lot of you are uh, eyeing the market open in just a few hours. We'll talk about uh, what the pre-markets are doing. Uh, It's a busy financial Monday, too, and could be the beginning of a big, big week and not necessarily the headlines that we're wanting. WBT, where business talks. Presented by Ram Pavement. All right, 10 before 7 o'clock here on News Talk 1110 WBT. I'm going to forego the the market recap from Friday because so much has changed (laughs) since then. And uh, everybody's watching uh, second by second here. Uh, What's going to happen as we get closer to the markets opening today? Of course, the U.S. Treasury announced over the weekend it will back Silicon Valley Bank deposits beyond the federally insured ceiling of $250,000. Now, admit it. Did you know much about Silicon Valley Bank before? I knew approximately zero. All right. Well, I think that is the boat most people are in, unless you're a you know a financial industry person. Uh, so let's uh, let's bring you up to speed on where we are right now. Fox's Alexandria Hoff. In a joint statement by the Treasury, Federal Reserve, and FDIC, it reads, "Quote: Depositors will have access to all of their money starting Monday, March 13th. No losses associated with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank will be borne by the taxpayer." The president said that more will come today. Mr. President, what was the banking crisis? What's that? 
Yeah, we are expecting to hear from the president at 8 o'clock. Now, the goal of this emergency action was to prevent a ripple effect, sparking bank runs, and also protect the payroll of the companies that banked with SVB. At least 29 companies were impacted, including many you're going to recognize, like Pinterest, Fitbit, ZipRecruiter, Roku, Roblox. Uh, and Republican Congresswoman Nancy May, she weighed in on this yesterday. Take a listen. It's still, it's still very early to see or say what the ramifications are, are going to be. That was a unique bank that mostly serves startups in Silicon Valley. The CEO <clears throat> sold himself millions of dollars of stock and gave his employees, I read this morning, bonuses right before the government took over the bank. Um, you know, we cannot keep bailing out private companies um, because there's no consequences to their actions. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen once again said that a bank bailout was never on the table. Stock and bond investors will not be protected by yesterday's action. The bank's collapse really illustrated for you, with inflow turning to outflow after the start of 2022, then a complete drop-off. Silicon Valley banks saw an increase of deposits coming in during the pandemic, but then invested in U.S. government bonds. Those bonds took a massive hit when the Federal Reserve hiked interest rates to combat inflation. Also breaking this morning, HSBC Holdings has purchased the British arm of SVB for the price of one pound. All right, so 8 o'clock is when President Biden is expected to make uh, remarks about this. We'll uh, carry that as we're able. And uh, Mick Mulvaney uh, just so happens joins us on Mondays. Uh, among the things on his resume, of course, uh, the White House budget director. Uh, for uh, much of the time he worked for President Trump, so uh, he'll have some thoughts on this as well and uh, the fallout and what we what we expect. But I mean, like I said, Beth, uh, now uh, on, on a Monday morning, SVB. People know that's Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, as Mark Garrison's been saying, uh, the, another bank failed over the weekend, Signature Bank, which is uh, right here on Tryon Street in Charlotte. And uh, Silicon Valley Bank is the second largest bank to fail in U.S. history. So uh, there is a lot of, of there's a lot going on this morning to make uh, people in the financial sector and people who have <laughs> obviously investments in these banks uneasy today. Yeah, no, this I am not a financial sector expert by any stretch of the imagination. The entire financial world um, is a baffling place uh, to me. But what's uh, interesting about this now, I, I started looking into SVB over the weekend as I was hearing the story break, you know, unfold, really. So this bank was founded in 1983. It specialized in banking for tech startups, um, it provided financing for almost half of U.S. venture-backed technology and healthcare companies. Now, the crazy thing about this, and the way that I was trying to understand this based on having lived through the 2008 financial crisis, do you remember sitting around the television screen when we heard that Bear Stearns had collapsed, and then we heard that Goldman Sachs was in trouble, and we started hearing all of these stories? I started having that kind of same shock feeling and wondering what was next, what's next to crumble, what's next to fall. And then you hear stories like Signature Bank um, here in the Charlotte area. Now, the largest bank ever to fail in the United States was Washington Mutual. Um, this is not the same from what I understand as what happened in 2008, that this is more aligned with what happened in right around the Great Depression. It's a run on banks. Um, in an article that I was kind of looking through the timeline, 
SBB encountered a classic run on the bank. That's the short version. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But first, we have to look at the fact that interest rates over the past year have gone up to try to tame inflation. And then the highest interest rates also eroded the value of long-term bonds that SBB and other banks gobbled up during the era of the ultra-low interest rates. So that started the problem. And then when they when investors and people started hearing the rumblings about what was going on as as SVB tried to liquidate some of its uh, assets in order to you know remain solvent, people started trying to get their money mm-hmm. out. So it was literally people waiting in line trying to get their cash. And you think about that, and you think about during the Great Depression, this is why the FDIC was created to begin with. So can you imagine now today when this bank opens up, the federal government is saying the people who have the two, you know, $250,000 or less in these banks will be able to get their deposits, but they are not going to be getting a you know, a bailout, which just like you, we heard in that package, you wouldn't want people. You, it was, I think, hard for a lot of us to swallow in 2008 when the banks got all of the bailouts. And then we heard about bonuses and things still being given. And here we are again hearing about bonuses being given to executives and the the, the, the head of the bank, you know, selling off tons and tons and tons of stock and making money. And you start feeling, uh, you know, as a member of the the middle class, you start feeling just this overwhelming just ache in your soul that, Sometimes people who do the right thing don't always end up on top. Well, and it's about SVB, but it's even more about banks like SVB and what happens to people who see this and get spooked. And you're talking about what happens when uh, Silicon Valley Bank opens up today, which it will. What happens to other banks like it that open up today? Uh, Senator Tom Tillis saying over the weekend, tweeting, I'm closely monitoring the Silicon Valley bank collapse, and I'm in communication with the FDIC on the path forward for depositors. There should be no bailouts for the executive who contributed to this failure. That was early on in the process. And then, of course, uh, we saw the action yesterday, the United States Treasury announcing it will back Silicon Valley Bank deposits beyond the federally insured ceiling of $250,000. So you had joint action by the Fed, the Treasury, and the FDIC. Uh, You had uh, Senator Tillis and lots of other politicians making uh, statements as well, but uh, he's our North Carolina senator or one of them. So uh, this is of note. He says, if a private sector solution was on the table, then it's truly outrageous that the Biden administration is risking hardworking Americans tax dollars to bail out a bank that collapsed from its own mismanagement. Taxpayers shouldn't be on the hook for the failed decisions of banking executives. That's from Senator Tom Tillis. And you were talking about the nature of uh, Silicon Valley Bank, Beth, and uh, doing some research, as a lot of people did over the weekend. Uh, This is a bank that was popular for tech startups, and some of the investors in that bank are names that you would know. Roku is a big one. Mm -hmm. Spotify is another one. Mm -hmm. And you think about, uh, for example, Roku, I mean, we're in the age now of a lot of people cutting the cord with cable. You know, streaming services are big. Roku is one of the most upstart companies in that direction. And if all of a sudden, you know, this becomes a run, you can see how this might be a, a domino effect. So a lot of people today are uh, watching the markets with great interest. And uh, in just a few hours, uh, the markets will open up here in the United States. President Biden's going to speak around 8 o'clock. If you're wondering about the pre-markets, Dow futures right now, and this has changed just in the last 30 minutes, Dow is now down 73, the Dow futures. S&P futures down uh, just a tick, 0.75. NASDAQ futures are up 56.75. So that's where we are right now. Uh, this is a 
fluid story and maybe uh, it may have changed by the time we talk about it next hour. But stay with WBT. Uh, Bo and Beth here will continue from the Tide Boyd studio on a very busy Monday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And that's right. It's that time of year when we all watch true TV for a few days. I was just thinking that this morning. I was looking up one of the games. I saw True TV. I go, oh, it's that time of year where Jim locates on YouTube TV if he even has True TV or not. The, we already uh, lost the MLB network. Whatever happened with that on YouTube. Oh, Thanks. Wow. Right before baseball spring training. Anyway, go ahead. The uh, the True TV, they should just finally call it the True TV Invitational, the Dayton Invitational, because the first four, all that's on True TV. And as you heard the Zoke talking about, uh, it gets underway tomorrow night. And uh, you got two games tomorrow night and one ACC representative. That would be number 11 Pittsburgh against Mississippi State in the Midwest Regional tomorrow night, 9-10. The other game, the early game, uh, number 16 Texas A&M Corpus Christi and uh, number 16 Southeast Missouri State. And uh, the big dance is here. And it's weird because, you know, NC State ended up making the big dance. Way to go, Wolfpack. But, hey, Bernie. But we're, we're also talking about the NIT today. And you all know why. In fact, I was thinking about this. I didn't see this last night, but apparently they have a, an NIT selection show on ESPN. I Googled it because I was looking at write, I write my sports in advance as much as I can the night before. And so I Googled NIT tournament selection. 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, it started at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I feel like it's the whoopee cushion of selection shows. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then there's the CBI tournament, which is even below that. Oh, the Charlotte oh, 49ers oh, really? are in. Oh, it's like, and anybody else who's got five players and wants to <laughs> get a game together. I think we should put a team in, guys. Oh, we could. The Artichokies. Mm-hmm. We well, should we... name it after somebody else, though. Let's do our basketball team after Bernie or something. I was thinking about this, though. So the Tar Heels turned down the NIT. I feel, I'm just going to say, I do feel personally responsible for this because on Friday uh, was the first time I had ever heard of the NIT. And, uh, and what did you think it was? I thought it sounded like a, a, a tournament sponsored by the lice comb, <laughs> which is one of those knit combs. Knit, They're knit called combs. knit combs. And this is the NIT. It's the knit tournament. Somewhat appropriate. The lice comb tournament. And I feel like maybe maybe, maybe they got embarrassed and decided by, to, to Satan. Sorry. By, by the by, the CBI tournament is officially called the discount tire <laughs> CBI tournament. Is that just perfect? The word discount? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like bargain basketball. But I'm going to tell you, though, I do. <laughs> love discount tire i was just there last week i love them i love them i love them I was this is thinking, not a commercial not an ad exactly i was thinking about this last night because oh, there's all this talk about joe lenardi and the first one first four out and the next four out and all that stuff and it turns out uh, that the first four out two of the first four ended up being clemson and north carolina so that's how close i'm clemson uh, that's that's a big source of controversy this morning amongst amongst a lot of people about them not getting in uh, despite beating nc state the way they did and nc state got in but I didn't expect Carolina to be in that first four. I would have thought the Tar Heels would have been the next four out. But yeah. in the end, uh, but I was thinking about that selection show at 10 o'clock for the NIT. Do they do the first four out for the NIT? Because with oh. Carolina turning it down, you wonder what NIT spot they made available because of what they decided to That's do. That's true. That created another spot there. And you're right. I didn't think because North Carolina seemed, when they lost in the ACC tournament, 
zero chance, and it turned out to be <laughs> no chance. But I didn't think they'd even be in that next four. Clemson, the thing that worked against them is was their strength of schedule out of conference. Yeah. So while they did have a couple quality wins, you know they, they padded with a lot of not difficult opponents as it turned out. And don't uh, get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not. I love the fact that NC State made it, and I think NC State deserved to make it. Um, but you know, Clemson's argument, one of their arguments, would be, "Well, look at our look at our most recent body of work," and that would be drubbing NC State in the ACC tournament. So I, I was in the school that I thought Clemson and NC State would end up making. I it. thought the question for State wasn't going to be are they going to be in or are they going to be in the Dayton Invitational, yeah. which turned out to be Pittsburgh is exactly. one of those teams from the ACC. So Pitt, Pitt is one of those in uh, in Dayton. So here's what North Carolina said in their official statement about deciding not to accept a bid to the NIT. Quote, all season our focus and goals have been uh, – actually, I'm sorry, this is the uh, Hubert Davis uh, statement. He says, all season our focus and goals have been on being the best team we can possibly become and reaching our full potential to give us another opportunity to compete, play for, and win an NCAA championship. Although we no longer have that opportunity and this season wasn't what we hoped for, I want to thank our players and staff for their hard work and love for Carolina basketball. Many factors go into postseason play, and we believe now is the time to focus on moving ahead, preparing for next season, and the opportunity to again compete for the ACC and NCAA championships. The Tar Heels conclude the 2023 2022-23 men's basketball season with a 20-13 and record. Unquote. That's the end. I'm a obviously a Carolina grad, so I'm a big Tar Heel. I, I was disappointed in the in the decision. I mean, even though uh, you know I, I had not heard of the NIT, but I do know that now that Roy Williams they accepted a, a position in the NIT, as did um, Dean Smith. I, I just feel like this maybe wasn't the classiest move. It's kind of like I'm didn't get what I wanted, so I'm taking my ball and I'm leaving. It felt that way to me. And am I wrong? Am I just being emotional about it? Your sports takes are hot today. (laughs) I agree with you. I think um, this is what everybody else does. Yeah. Right, Bernie? This is what NC State does. When you don't make it, you go to the NIT. (laughs) That was was not needed. I have a son Uh, who went to NC State. I can say that. (laughs) I I spent three years putting money in their uh, coffers up there. So I think Virginia Tech and Clemson are going. Uh, a lot of prominent schools are going yeah, to the NIT. Even though it's the Lysecombe Conference, it's right. still, but it's still, still, but it's like you know, you're it's saying prestigious. It's sure. like we, it's like they're basically saying we just don't care. We right. don't we don't want to play, but you guys go. Yeah, Sharon Thorsland. Too good for this. Noted Tar Heel, mm-hmm. uh, Sharon Thorsland says, "I think it's terrible. UNC is not participating in the NIT." Uh, another noted Tar Heel, Matt Doherty, mm-hmm. says, uh, "UNC turns down NIT bid. I am not a fan of that move." From my perspective. Oh, look at me. I'm wondering, as you listen this morning, 704-570-1110. What was that noise you just made? Look at what? I'm excited that I was on the same page with Sharon Thorsland, Jim Zoki, and Matt Doherty. I feel (laughs) so, like, vindicated. You need your own WFNZ (laughs) hot dog juice sports Sports talk show. show. (laughs) Are, Are you on the same page as Beth and... Matt Doherty and uh, Sharon Thorsland, are you thinking that the Tar Heels uh, don't look very classy here by turning down this NIT bid? Because as you said, and I might add to that, you said uh, Dean Smith and Roy Williams accepted NIT bids when when they were head coaches. Uh, Roy Williams in 2010 accepted an NIT bid when his team had won the national title the year before in 2009. So, uh, Should we place you... an emergency call to Jones Angel to do uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll 10 pick. minutes of... <laughs> I'm sure he'll pick right up. <laughs> <laughs> News Talk 
Rock 1110 WBT. Hey, by the way, I, I did, uh, I saw some basketball on Saturday night at the Dean Dome. I you saw sure did. Uh, my alma mater, Myers Park, win the state title against uh, Richmond Senior at the Dean Dome on Saturday night. And actually, we're going to, I think if things work out, we're going to talk to uh, the head coach of the Mustangs real quick next hour, Scott Taylor. Uh, coming up at about 8.20, so uh, stick around for that if you're a big uh, high school basketball fan. But uh, in the headlines this morning, the team that uh, plays on that court more than anybody else, the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels, uh, I, I don't know, would they have been playing? I, I don't think they would have played a home game. I'm not sure about that because uh, in the uh, in the NIT, the early rounds, uh, you, there's a home team. You actually play at their home. Oh. Uh, I think the higher seeds and such, but I don't think Carol- I don't know where Carolina would have fallen in that. But we we won't know because North Carolina turned down an NIT bid this weekend. They decided no, even though they got an invitation, they won't play. Uh, and just in case you're wondering, uh, the last four teams in Mississippi State, Pittsburgh from the ACC, Arizona State, and Nevada. The first four teams out: Oklahoma State, Rutgers. North Carolina and Clemson. So two ACC teams were in those uh, those final four, uh, first four rather, out. Now we've been talking. We were talking last segment. Do you think North Carolina made the right decision? Do you think they should have an accept, accepted in a bid to the NIT, even though they were in the title game last year? Uh, is this a bad move? Is it a bad look? I guess is the real question. Is it a bad look for the Tar Heels to turn down the invitation? Steve, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT with Bo and Beth. Hey, good morning. Good morning. So, I'm a big Carolina fan, first of all. But did Hubert Davis make that decision, or did the athletic director make that decision? Anybody who knows anything about basketball knows the NIT was around before the NCAA. And if you got a bid to the NIT back then, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so you you wish your team was there? I did. Yeah. I wish they would have taken the – the bid, but then again, you know, we also have Amanda Baycock that's got the hurt ankle. You know, did that play a factor? Well, I was, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of talk about this, and uh, we were talking just a minute ago about, uh, you know, so what, what what does it get you if you if you win this? First of all, the Final Four is at Madison Square Garden. So it is a national stage, and I was saying to Zoke off the air, I said, if you win it, then uh, you can turn around and say, see, there's proof we should have been in the tournament. So you sort of end the season on a note, on a on an uptick, right? Um, if sure. I'm if I'm Carolina, that that's that's what my mentality would be. Now I was mentioning the fact that uh, in 2010, Roy Williams took his team to the NIT when they had won the national championship in 2009. Yeah. So there's some precedent for this. I mean, I know Hubert didn't win last year, but his team was in the title game and had that dramatic Final Four against Duke. Now, uh, down the hall, Flounder, who works for uh, FNZ, biggest yes. Tar Heel fan, uh, one of the biggest Tar Heel fans that are around here, uh, he posted something earlier about the fact that I guess uh, the David Thompson era NC State Wolfpack in the in the 70s turned down an NIT bid. Um, I, you know, I, I don't. My, my college basketball history doesn't go back that, that that far, at least you know in detail that far. And so, if that's true, then yeah, this is not the first time this has happened, but it's the first time in modern times I think that we can point to it. Uh, Steve, uh, thanks for the call. We appreciate it here on News Talk 1110 WBT. Uh, you can. Chime in on this if you want to, 704-570-1110. It's kind of interesting that we're talking about the Tar Heels 
yeah. on the Monday of the of the big dance and the Tar Heels on, aren't. But that's how big the, the, the UNC brand is. Well, it, one of our listeners, Eric, uh, sent me a message that said, sadly, the NIT used to be as prestigious as the NCAA. And he also goes on to say that Tar Heel Illustrated interviewed um, – I guess maybe Hubert Davis. Mm-hmm. And he said, from what I've gathered, the players acknowledged that there was something broken with this team and it wouldn't be fixed by the time of the NIT. That that was part of uh, what they were saying as to why they decided to. And the way that I put it is just take their ball and go home without uh, participating, just kind of turning it down. And what I thought was not a very classy move, but. Um, Eric is saying that they were saying, look, we've got we had a really problematic team and there's nothing that would be fixed by the time the tournament rolled around. Steven, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT on a Monday morning with Bo and Beth. Hi. Hey, good morning. Morning. Hey, uh, my question is this, or actually it's more my comment. Uh, the Athletic Association up at uh, Carolina or at State or at Duke, they're always requesting money from their alumni for uh, athletic support. Yeah. They turned down quite a bit of revenue by turning down the NIT bid to the university. Really can't feel that good to all the alumni that make all these contributions, and yet the Heels decide to turn down this uh, huge amount of cash. I agree. I didn't think about the money part of it. I didn't think about that. It's substantial. Yeah, well, I mean, when you have a school like North Carolina, that's one thing. When you have some of these smaller schools Mm -hmm. that, you know, every game – Every game means something, uh, and, and, and I mean, every game means something to every team, but I'm talking about how much does it mean for the coffers, uh, right. of, uh, the finances of the program. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, this is not, uh, all these games are not played at neutral sites. The Final Four is in uh, New York City, but the early games are, are on the, their home games for the, the higher seeds. So, uh, like I said, I don't know what the seeds would have been for North Carolina. I, and I don't even know, I, like I said earlier, I, I would be interested to know uh, with this who, who was the last team in that Carolina made room for because there's a, there's a team that wouldn't have gotten in if Carolina had accepted right. their bid. And how cool will it be? So here's the Cinderella story that I hope for, that Carolina says no. They take their ball, they're going home, and that team that just eked its way in because of the turndown that they end up winning it. Wouldn't that be a pretty story? That'd be a good 30 for 30. Well, and a lot of these small teams, that is the real incentive to be in it. Uh, not only the, the extra money, but the fact that you get to play at Madison Square Garden. Right. I you mean, know? That's, that's cool. Steve, uh, we got time for one more call here. Steve, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT with Bo and Beth. Yeah, good morning. Uh, what I was thinking, and, and I sincerely believe this, that for the majority of the season, this team played with no heart, no passion. Yeah. They didn't seem to get along together. And what would be the point in accepting a bid to the NIT with a team that clearly doesn't want to be there and gets knocked out early? So what's better, accept the bid? and get knocked out or just stay home. Uh, to my way of thinking, I'm perfectly fine with them staying at home. Well, for the for – the, I, I see what you're saying to a point, but what about the overall image of the program? And, and you know, it's a kind of a bad look for the program, right? I mean, in North Carolina, I mean – Well, which, which is worse – I'm sorry, which is worse, to go with a team that clearly doesn't want to be there and stink up the place or <laughs> just – you know, or just stay home. I mean, it's not unheard of for a team to turn down a bid. 
Uh, and personally, I'm tired of watching them get out there and play half-hearted and play selfish basketball. I would. I'm, I'm a Tar Heel fan from when I, you know, knew what basketball was. My dad was a Tar Heel fan, but I'm sick of watching them, and I'm glad they're home. So, Steve, what you're really saying is uh, this is a much better deal because now uh, Carolina can sit back on their couch and watch NC State play in the big dance. Oh, <laughs> hey, it doesn't bother me in the least. Go state, go wolf. Well, there you go, Steve. And I like what you're saying that they were playing selfish basketball. That they and it, nothing is worth anything if you if it lacks passion. Everything needs passion and heart. And you, he was right. That team just didn't seem to gel. Well, and and look, uh, in all honesty, uh, I think most people. I know I'm this way, and I think most people around here are. Once you get to the big dance, you're, you're pulling for all the ACC teams. You know? Yes. I mean, don't tell me you're going to be you're not going to be gathered around the TV tomorrow. Uh, was it Wednesday night when Pittsburgh plays in the uh, in the Dayton Invitational? I've got I'm buying popcorn, man. That, that long storied ACC tradition that is Pitt. Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> News Talk 1110 WBT. We're uh, about half an hour away from when we expect President Biden to uh, make some comments. His first comments since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. And, uh, of course, you know, uh, joint action taken by the Fed, the Treasury, and the FDIC uh, over the weekend to uh, hopefully mitigate this process. But uh, when he begins speaking, we'll bring that to you as we're able. Uh, We're talking right now on NCAA Bracket Monday about, of course, the NIT, because the North Carolina Tar Heels announcing last night that despite uh, being offered an invitation to the National Invitation Tournament, that they say no, we're uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna decline. So a lot of you are chiming in on this about whether it's a good look, uh, whether they should have accepted it. What about the precedent for what Dean Smith and Roy Williams had done in the past? Josh, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT with Bo and Beth and the Zoke. What's going on, Josh? Good morning, Bo. Good morning, Beth. I hope y'all are having a good Monday morning. Hey, we hope you are too. I just want to say that maybe Coach Hubert. Uh, Davis, maybe his expectations are just set differently. Yeah, and you know, Dean Smith was a great coach. Roy Williams was a great coach, and last year it showed that uh, Coach uh, Davis was a great coach. And um, I used to be a big Tar Heel fan when Tyler Hansborough played, and so last year was really the first year that I watched uh, Tar Heel basketball in a long time, and I was just so impressed with the way he coached that team. So. Maybe his expectations are just set differently, and maybe if he accepts the NIT uh, bid that he just feels like the season was a failure. And that's my only comment. I hope you all have a great day. Thank you, Josh. appreciate the phone call. I've gotten some other texts about this. Uh, uh, Texter Vince says, I'm curious about the financial impact uh, of the athletic department as a whole. Previous caller mentioned missed revenues. Uh, if, you know, how much does a team lose if they don't play in this tournament mm-hmm. uh, with the money that it may bring into the program by hosting the game or playing in the game? But he says, but hosting also comes with significant cost. I'm curious if athletic departments make or lose money in those early rounds. And, and by the way, he says, I think it's poor form not to accept a bid to the NIT. Yeah, I agree about the poor form, but I I agree with our last caller. I think his name was um, was Steve uh, in our last segment, where he kind of talked about the fact that this team wasn't gelling, and that 
it might have not been a good look to head to the NIT and also be really, really bad once they got there. I understand that. Eric uh, Barlow, one of our listeners, sent me a message and said that Tar Heel Illustrated interviewed um, the Tar Heels and that they acknowledged that there was something broken with this team and that it couldn't be fixed by the NIT. But I still feel like, I don't know, I just feel, I just feel like it's that kid on the playground who didn't win the dodgeball game and so he literally wouldn't let anybody else play literally. it's like you tell your kids if you go out for a sport you go out for the sport for the season you'll quit you don't and quit. i feel like they somewhat quit in season their season wasn't over because they were offered a bid to the nit which by the way you don't have to accept a bid to the ncaa tournament why would you not but you don't have to has except... anybody ever turned that down no i mean why would you I don't wouldn't that so. be a cool uh, story we, we don't have to research that one no no yeah <laughs> that is below us uh i think you, you play the nit for a couple of like optics kind of what you're referring to of kind of like taking the ball and going home but you've got young players this is an opportunity for them to play which gives you another out, by the way. You say, well, we're trying our young players out. We're not playing our best players as much. Right, right. Um, and I get the fact there's nothing for them to really gain by playing in this, but so is the case with the first four out or so every year. And it wasn't like they were close to making the NCAAs. I know they were in that first four. They were not a team that was going to the NCAA tournament after they bowed out of the ACC tournament when they did. Uh, so to me, it's kind of like it wasn't like a shock, like, oh, we're disappointed. We belonged in the NCAA. Nobody feels that way based on the way they played this year. Texter Scott says, I agree it looks bad. I wonder if some guys will be leaving and might choose to opt out of the NIT, similar to football players opting out of bowls. Uh, better to stay home in that case. And that's an interesting thought because if you're a, if you're a player with an injury, I'm not saying that it's that way for Carolina, but I'm saying in general, if you had a player who um, this would be his his final few games and he's trying to get set for the NBA and you want to protect yourself oh. before the draft, you know there are a lot of football players that forego playing in and what they would say lower tiered. Uh, bowl games because they want to make sure that they're they don't get injured before the NFL draft. But uh, again, play your younger players, play the yeah. ones that you're going to have, whether they're starters or not next year. If it's if it's building your bench for next year or whatever, there's something to be gained at any time in playing the team that you have. And I think you're right. I think that could have actually happened. They could have accepted the NIT. And as an example, uh, maybe Armando Baycott doesn't play. So be it. Yeah. Play your younger players. It's the NIT. Use it and even treat it that way. Just say, yeah. hey, we're, we're here, we got invited, we're excited to be here, and we're going to try the players that we have that want to be here to get them some minutes. And um, yeah. there's nothing to be lost by playing yeah. more basketball. In college football, we're not talking about teams uh, saying we're not going to play in the bowl game. We're talking about players, players. saying that. So, yeah. yeah, so yeah. they could have played some of those kids that are freshmen that haven't really played. And I bet they really wanted to play. They wanted to play. Being the guy that sat on the bench in high school, I got excited when there was a blowout one way or the other. You Win know, or lose, because I got more minutes off the bench. You know, I like that, Hubert. I'm giving. Let's get well, Hubert on the phone. Let's but, say take that, take that no back, and turn it into a yes. The last few years, there have been a, uh, there. There are some guys that play for the Tar Heels, especially last year when they were so good that were called the Biscuit Boys, mm-hmm. because at the end of the game, if Carolina was winning mm-hmm. by, I think they had to hit 100, and everybody got free Bojangles the next mm-hmm. day. But they oh. put in the Biscuit Boys at the end, hence the Bojangles connection. They put them in because those those are the guys that never got. To play but in the end if the score was way up there they'd put them in and they got so those guys uh, by this logic would get a chance and to the, play and what's cool is the starters would cheer on the young the boys so it's like because young guys who sit there all 30 40 games cheering them on do it for them 
So why not have the starters do it for the, the younger players? Yeah. Well, to finish my thought, they were if, if Carolina would get to the Final Four, you'd be at Mad- uh, Madison Square Garden on the, on the biggest stage, or and one of the biggest and stages. And you could get a bagel in New York. With That's the right. little cute guys, the little cute players that didn't get to play all year. And it's like a little boys trip to go to New York. <laughs> come on, come on, finish it. Cute little boys the trip. Cute little guys trip to yeah. New York to play to at Madison Square Garden. Bagel with locks. Mm. End of the week. End of the week. All right. I knew as soon as I was all definitive about that, no one's ever turned down a NCAA tournament bid. Uh-huh. I, I knew what that would mean. It would mean Eric Barlow would promptly email you. I love that guy. So lay it on me. Al McGuire, coach of Marquette, mm-hmm. turned down an NCAA tournament invitation in 1970 because he felt the committee snubbed them by seating them lower than he felt they deserved to be. Wait, wait. Our own Bernie Bowles in this room tweeted this out. Yeah. But he did it before before Eric Barlow. Yeah. Ber- Bernie wait. had it. Wait, wow. you tweeted it out? What yeah. are you uh, trying to say like uh, our, our host Bo Thompson got it wrong? Is that what you're trying <laughs> it's to like, say? Like we broke news in this room and we're crediting other I mean, good for Eric too, but I mean, Bernie actually tweeted it out. Thanks, Bernie. And he works here and such. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Bernie what? Bowles. So Bernie Bowles said to me. Um, Marquette turned it down in 1970 because they felt they had been snubbed by where they were seated. And y'all, and the NIT used to be a bigger deal back in the day. What does this tweet say? Does it start off by saying, contrary to what Bo Thompson just said? Is that what it says? (laughs) He also did the more you know little graphic with it. So I thought he put a lot of work into it and had it first. Well, while I'm while I'm piling on myself here, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you that it's been pointed out that uh, <laughs> for just the second time or third time since 1938, the NIT semifinals and championship will not be held at Madison Square Garden. Well, poop. This year it's going to be in Vegas. So <laughs> oh. I guess I guess it, but that that sort of indicates that it's going to go back to Madison so Square Garden. So if they play Garden, in but. Vegas, is it what, at UNLV? Like No, it's at uh, the... Uh, or is it, or- where, Orlin- I guess, wherever the Vegas The Las plays? Vegas Orleans Arena. Cool. And probably also where the hockey team plays. The historic team. Hinkle Fieldhouse. You're probably thinking of the Thomas and Mack Center, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I did games there in the past. Yeah, that's a, long a cool, time ago. S- that's a cool arena. Well, when I did, it was like 25 years ago. It oh. may or may not be cool Well, now. yeah, I was 15, was. so <laughs> it was 30 and, years ago. And while we're at it, uh, I mentioned that Pittsburgh played on Wednesday night. They, of course, play on Tuesday night. So I am uh, I am just racking up the uh, the wins here in the well, 7 o'clock hour. Well, I think hour. so what is happening. I feel like I'm echoey. Do I seem echoey to you, you guys? You're yeah, echoey because, because, because most people who listen at this time know that uh, we do something different at 7.50. So at 7.53, we're going to go... Winterbull, I'm sorry. I just had to. Uh, I had to. Nah, it's a uh, priorities. Man. I had to self-correct my. Uh, you got to do that. Self. You got to do that. You got to talk about the 1914 NIT tournament. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always good stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, Fair Harvard who uh, decided Harvard. to say no. So, where do you come down on this? Should North Carolina have turned down the NIT bid? I'm going to say uh, no. Okay. Uh, Coach Darty has tweeted uh, over the weekend that he believes that they should have accepted the bid. So yeah, yeah, I think I think I, just be polite. Yeah, well, and, and Jim Zoki was saying last segment that it's a great time for the the, the coach to let the younger kids. That's play. right. That's right. Bring all the freshmen out. You, you're going to need a couple of bucks for the NIL money. I mean, so there you go. Well, and you might actually see that the younger kids are a better, more cohesive team Maybe, than yeah. than this this current. 
uh, team really seemed to be. Totally so, agree. Yeah. Okay, so in just a few minutes here, uh, yes. we're going to hear from the President of the United States uh, speaking about uh, the big story over the weekend and one that could have implications uh, for a long time here. But this uh, collapse of the uh, Silicon Valley Bank, the second largest bank collapse in United States history. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know that uh, action has been taken by the Fed, the Treasury, and the FDIC. Um, but the president's going to speak, uh, at least make some sort of statement in just a few minutes here. Uh, what are your thoughts on Monday? This is pretty seismic. Yeah, look, if you have a blackout bingo card in front of you, here's the things he's going to say. The banking system is sound. Uh, we did a whole bunch of great work uh, in the wake of the 2008 meltdown. Um, there is no reason to be fearful of this. It is a limited and specific location. Uh, no, nothing nothing to be really concerned or worried about. Um, I am monitoring the situation. Uh, the Secretary of the Treasury is monitoring. I've informed Congress. He's going to say like all the all the kind of just generic sort of cold uh, egg kind of a kind of a thing because uh, he's got a he can't panic. Right. He can't panic and he can't say this is uh, we're all going to die and then, you know, jump out the window. So that, that's what he's going. That's what he's going to have to do. The only question that I want asked by any reporter out there is where are you getting the twenty five billion dollars to shore up the bank? Where's that coming from? Because that's, the Congress didn't vote for that to come out of there. Um, over the weekend, Janet Yellen said the FDIC is responsible for making uh, people whole, right, if they lose their money. And here's the thing. You're, you're only, I think you're only insured up to 250 That's right. It's, it is 250 So, so these, these, this, is, this is big tech money. This is going to be billions of dollars that's going to get trans, you know, transferred. Who signed off on that? Did they, did they tap the... Uh, did they tap the FTX fund? I mean, what are they what are they doing? Are they go digging into the Ukraine dollars? Well, so here's um, the here's the thing that I don't understand as as of Friday, you know, everything's collapsing, but there was this whole idea that they were looking for another bank to come and yeah. buy this bank yeah. out. And yeah. there are so many small tech businesses that have their, you know, payroll ca- accounts and things through SVB. If there's another bank who can yeah. come in and take right. control, why look at even right. the, the, the government coming in with any kind of bailout? Well, I mean, Let the private <laughs> sector take care of it. You can't do it because you've got two banks that have failed, well, actually, yeah. Silvergate and Silicon Valley. And what they need to do is make sure nobody's going to go running down the street to go pull all their money out of Wells Fargo and B of A and Chase and City and all that. So they, they don't want this to spread overnight. It, I mean, it looks like they've kept a lid on things uh, overnight, but we'll we'll wait and see. But uh, the, the president's not going to give you any any new information. There's not going to be any new information given. It's going to be uh, Kevin Bacon at the end of uh, uh, of uh, Animal House. And you, one more question, because I'm not an economist by any stretch of the oh, imagination. I've never pretended to be. <laughs> but um, r- remember Dodd Frank and you know the regulations that came into being because of what happened in uh-huh. uh, 2008. In 2018, we we rolled back the 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 seal, or I guess rolled up the ceiling uh-huh. of what needs to be reported. Uh-huh. So from 50 billion to 250 billion, and SVB was somewhere in between that. So they didn't have to report the problems that they were having. Right. Is that part of the of what we're seeing i i I don't know if if that's part of it but this is ultimately a government issue because they bought a whole bunch of treasury bills and 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 bonds and they don't mature for the next five years so once people started running on the bank they don't have any way to liquidate the stuff that they've got that's backed by the u.s government because it's a five-year or a 10-year or whatever it is you can't just go in there and dig out the money because if they if they terminate those bonds now they're going to lose 
And that's all I have, sir. Thank all you right. very much, gentlemen. The Animal House and music. Lady. Yes. Good to talk to you. Animal House is playing us off the stage. That's right. Kinda today like- today at 3, just check in if you can, if you're free. Thanks so much. News Talk 1110 WB. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. See. News Talk 1110 WBT, Monday, March 13th. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, Ty Boyd Studio. And I don't know whether uh, the president woke up and said, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> they changed the clocks or what. But uh, they've been saying 8 o'clock uh, for the last uh, 12 hours or so. And now I'm looking up at the, the latest information, and it says uh, President Biden scheduled to make remarks at 9 a.m. So we will uh, ebb and flow with the uh, changing clock out of Washington. Uh, and I guess if uh, President Biden decides to speak before then, we'll bring you those comments. But uh, as of right now, now it seems like they've shifted things for another 60 minutes as far as the comments that are supposed to be forthcoming from the president about the uh, collapse of uh, Silicon Valley Bank over the weekend. Mm, this is a story that we're going to be keeping our eyes on for, I think, many weeks to come because this is going to have ripple effects that uh, we can't quite predict yet. And so uh, next hour, uh, as is the case on Mondays, we talk to Mick Mulvaney. Uh, he'll be calling us from London this morning. He's uh, uh, overseas on business, but... Uh, uh, always finds a way to check in with us. And here you have the, the former uh, White House budget director who'll be chiming in on this. And I know, he, know he'll have a lot to say about he may actually be able to react to uh, President Biden in real time with us next yeah, hour. Which will be a fascinating take on this. But just for for those who are just waking up, you know, with SVB, we found out about this on uh, Friday. This is a bank that was started in 1983 in the Silicon Valley area. Um, a lot of tech companies um, invest a lot of uh, healthcare companies as well, and uh, there was a, a run on the bank with people trying to get their money out. And now we're in a we have a big problem. And so uh, again, uh, those of you who thought that that President Biden was going to be making some comments right about now, so did we. Yeah. <laughs> and now that timeline has uh, switched a bit. So um, 9 a.m. now is the uh, the current guidance we're getting from. Uh, our resources in Washington and, of course, the White House. So uh, when he speaks, uh, we'll bring it to you regarding SVB. In the meantime, uh, the 95th Oscars last night. The 95th Oscars. Beth watched a lot more of this than I did. Well, I am one of those dorky people. I love the Oscars. I don't really watch any of the other award shows. Every now and again, I'll watch, you know, the beginning of the Golden Globes. But I love, there's something about the Oscars that just, and and maybe it just reminds me of old Hollywood, but I love the creativity. I love passion. I love when people, you know, come together to put together a story. And of course, I come from the film and television world. So it's kind of where my nerdy brain gets excited about the the, the editing Oscar and the writing Oscar and the Oscar for best production design and the best sound, which Maverick won for, by the way, the best sound editing. How cool is that? Thinking about all the jets and all the things that they had to come up with in order to, to edit that sound. But yes, I did watch a great deal. I started at like two o'clock yesterday when the on the red carpet started and <laughs> was doing their pre pre, although it wasn't a red carpet, it was a champagne carpet this year. Wow. Um, well, according to On the Red Carpet, the designers of the entrance way, they had a ton of red bunting and drapery and things like that. And they thought it would just be too much red. And they thought the champagne carpet looked better with all the red bunting. But in my brain, if you're so used to having the red carpet, why not make the bunting champagne? Hmm. 
I, These are my questions. These are the questions I think about while watching the Oscars. But Bo and I were texting each other watching the beginning of the Oscars because we were both rooting for one particular actor who is uh, kind of our childhood, right? Yes, which we'll get to in a moment. First, though, I think one question, even people who don't care about the Oscars, they might have tuned in last night just to see if, I don't know, the same thing is going to happen this year that happened last year at That's the Oscars. That's true. And were they going to address the elephant in the room? Were they just going to brush right past it? Well, Jimmy Kimmel was the host, so the answer, of course, is yes. They were going to address the elephant in the room. We know this is a special night for you. We uh, want you to have fun. We want you to feel safe. And most importantly, we want me to feel safe. So we have strict policies in place. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor <laughs> and permitted to give a 19-minute long speech. No, but seriously, the Academy has a crisis team in place. If anything unpredictable or violent happens during the ceremony, just do what you did last year. Nothing. Sit there and do absolutely nothing. Maybe even give the assailant a hug. And if any of you get mad at a joke and decide you want to come up here and get jiggy with it, it's not going to be easy. There are a few of my friends you're going to have to get through first. You're going to get, have to get through the heavyweight champ, Adonis Creed, before you get to me. You're going to have to do battle with Michelle Yeoh before you get to me. You are going to have to beat the Mandalorian before you get to me. You are going to have to tangle with Spider-Man. You are going to have to... You are going to have to tangle with Fableman. Of course, Fableman is uh, Steven Spielberg. All those uh, people were there last night, and they yes. were sort of playing along with the, th with the thing. Looking at the camera going, yeah, you got to get through me. Which I'm going to tell you, Steven Spielberg was the most intimidating of all of those uh, looks. He even said you got to get to Guillermo, which is his famous sidekick from the Jimmy Kimmel show. But they, they showed Guillermo, who was responsible for the Pinocchio movie instead, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which was kind of a nice little moment. All right. Uh, you alluded to this. You and I both grew up watching this guy as a kid in Indiana Jones and also the Goonies. But he's now 51 years old. Kiwi Kwan. Yes. One last night, best supporting uh, actor for everything, everywhere, all at once. My mom is 84 years old and she's at home watching. Mom, I just want an Oscar. My journey started on a boat. I spent a year in a refugee camp, and somehow I ended up here on Hollywood's biggest stage. They say stories like this only happen in the movies. I cannot believe it's happening to me. This, this is the American dream. And somehow, at age 51, he still sounds like the little kid from from Indiana Jones. And from Goonies. He still yeah. sounds like Data. But I, I got teary-eyed listening to him. The the moment when he looked at the camera and thanked his 84-year-old mother and, like, look, I have an Oscar, and thanked his wife for giving him encouragement for the 20 years he was out of the business. I, it's such a beautiful story of just never giving up. WBT. Mm -hmm. 
News Talk 1110-993-WBT and worldwide on the WBT mobile app. It's Bo Thompson here and Beth Troutman on Good Morning BT. It's a March Madness Monday. Mm-hmm. Lots of basketball talk, and we've talked about college basketball. Only natural thing to do is talk about high school basketball now. Well, it was a big high school basketball weekend. I told you all I was uh, going somewhere uh, on Saturday, and I, I went to the Dean Dome not to see the Tar Heels play. Uh, but I went to see the uh, the 4A North Carolina High School Basketball Championship. And, uh, yeah, I had a dog in the fight, a, a horse in the fight, actually, because uh, this is my alma mater. I graduated Aww. from Myers Park in 1993, and we've talked about this basketball team that they have that's been uh, just on a tear this past season. And uh, the Mustangs got it done, beat Richmond Sr., uh, there at the Smith Center on Saturday night, 74-60. to 60. And this is the first state title in school history for Myers Park. So I wanted to bring on the head coach of the Mustangs. Scott Taylor is with us. Uh, welcome to WBT. Hey, good morning, guys. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Look, uh, you and I have never met, but I told you when I was texting you yesterday, I have seen a lot of, of basketball played by your team over the last five years or so because my daughter played for uh, for Myers Park and graduated uh, just a year ago. And, and so I, I've seen your team play a lot, and I, I've been to several of the games this season. So I, I know the team well, and I know, uh, you know, what a – what a long trek it's been for you guys this season. But to, to get there, it's one thing, you know, to have everybody say that uh, your team on paper uh, looks like a, a state title team. But it's another thing to take all those expectations and all the talk and actually uh, close the deal. And you guys did on Saturday night. Scott, I know, just first of all, what was it like to be on that stage with this team and, and, and do something that the school had never done before? Um. <laughs> You know, you try to think about um, what it's going to be like when you get there. Uh, we took our team to uh, a UNC practice on November 17th. Uh, Coach Davis um, welcomed us in, allowed us to watch practice, and, and afterwards we got to walk down there on the court. And I wanted them to visualize what it looked like for the lower bowl to be full of green and um, what it may be like playing on the court and getting up and down. And even then, trying to – put that in front of them and give them that vision um there is no way to prepare for it uh walking out of the tunnel um 20 minutes before the game time and you got a bunch of gold and a bunch of green and that, that lower bowl was full was um a little overwhelming um and it, i'm glad they gave us 20 minutes to warm up because i know it took me a couple of minutes to settle down and uh be able to focus in on what we're doing but our our kids um Probably were a little bit better at it than I was. Um, they um, they never seemed the, the moment never seemed too big for them. Um, even as we got there and got in the locker room, they were loose. They were the, they were the same group of kids that they've been all year long. Um, they prepared the same way. Um, and and although I wouldn't say that we played our absolute best game, they uh, they pretty much played the same way. And um, that's why they're champions. They. Um, They've done it all year long, and, and we've been in a bunch of different situations and a bunch of different big games and big events against really good players, and uh, they were ready for the moment on um, on Saturday. And that was kind of uh, the message that I tried to give them before we walked out there was um, the outcome would take care of itself. But um, what, what, what was important would be our response to uh, stepping into the moment and for them to step into the moment without fear and hesitation. 
and they they did that for sure. It's pretty remarkable, given what you just said that they, you know they're high school students and they were calmer than maybe you were. What yeah. do you, what do you think it was, or what do you think it is that makes this team so special? I mean, a, a team really has to gel to win the state championship. Yeah, they do, and and we're really talented. I mean, um, we we have some really really talented kids, and we have a really deep roster. We have even some some good young players that probably didn't play as much this year that they would have had they been in other situations. Um, but this this was their goal all along, and um, that's one thing that I that I'll remember about the group, and I'll always have a ton of respect and um, admiration for is how they all could have probably done a little bit more, maybe in different situations. But they did what was asked of them in this group with this team for us to be as good as we could to win. And um, I, I don't know that we give kids and high school kids in general enough credit. They're, kids are often more resilient than adults. Um, they bounce back. They, uh, they understand what it means to come back the next day and keep working um, and even work through their emotions even more so often than, than we maybe think that they do. And, um, you know, I, I, as you get older, I guess you, you experience is a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, they don't know what they don't know. So they just knew it was a basketball game. And um, they, they knew they were, you know, had, they were, knew they were good. And they knew that uh, they had a chance to call themselves champions. And they made it about that. We're talking to uh, Coach Scott Taylor of the uh, state champion Myers Park Mustangs, who at the Dean Dome on Saturday night beat Richmond Senior 74-60. to Now, look, uh, I said I haven't been to every game, but I did, I, I, I did not get to go to the game that got the most talk outside of this one this season, and that was a few weeks ago where all, all of a sudden you're in the middle of the game and all of a sudden uh, on, on Twitter, all, all of a sudden there's this talk about Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant walks into the gym at Myers Park and takes a seat in the audience. And I'm thinking to myself, like I said, I wasn't there, but I, I thought about you being there and thinking, uh, not just what, what do the players think when they look up and see uh, arguably the, the greatest player in, in the world right now watching them, but as a coach, uh, did you know he was coming or, or was that a surprise or how did that whole thing come about? Uh, I did not know he was coming at that time. Um, so we have a, a junior, uh, Sir Muhammad. Uh, his dad, uh, Nazi, played in the league for a number of years, and he actually was he played with KD in Oklahoma City when Kevin was uh, early on in his career, and they've they've remained close. And so I think I believe Sir knew, but uh, and and I'm grateful that he didn't share that. Nobody else did. Um, <laughs> So he, he walked in right as we were starting National Anthem. So we had finished our warm-ups, and uh, we were trying to get everybody lined up for National Anthem. And my, my seven-year-old, uh, William, sits right on the first row right behind our bench with a bunch of his buddies. Um, and I'm walking towards the back, and he's starting to, like, jump up and down, and he's pointing over there. And I'm like, what is he doing? And I turn and look, and I'm like, I had to almost squint. I'm like, is that Kevin Durant walking in? <laughs> um, and – you know, there was a buzz at that point. Our student section was full. It was a Catholic game. It was Elite Eight. It was already a really uh, raucous atmosphere. It was full. And almost, it was almost like a wave of our students tried to move over to get them. And you could see admin and our uh, uh, CSAs and security people did a really nice job of trying to uh, keep everybody in, in a, a relatively calm state to allow him to come and, and enjoy the game. Because um, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be there watch high school basketball. He wanted to support. Uh, his friend's son, and uh, hopefully he was able to be able to sit there and enjoy that and do that. Um, 
but yeah, it, that um, that was something that um, obviously you know we talk about what a great place Myers Park is in a special community, and um, there are things that seem to only happen here, um, and uh, th- that one definitely falls in that category. So come on, when when Kevin Durant is watching you coach, do you get a little nervous? Uh, I was already nervous because it was the Elite <laughs> Eight, and um, yes. Catholics are tough, man. Coach King does such a good job with them with how hard they play and how well they're prepared, and, and that's that was kind of the level that we had gotten to. Um, we've been That was the third Elite Eight in five years, but we hadn't been past that. And um, so that was kind of the one for me and for our staff where it was like, look, this is, this is the next step for us um, naturally. And so you had a home game. It was the last home game of the year. There was already enough going on, and um, once the game got started, I, I, you know, thankfully wasn't really thinking about everybody else that was watching. Kind of lock uh, in, but we played really well, um, and so once once we were kind of able to stretch it out a little bit, you could take in the atmosphere overall and kind of glance up there and see that they were watching, and you're kind of like this. This is pretty cool. Well, I, I think it goes without saying that's the second uh, the second most exciting moment of the season, or or I'm sure there are bunches of them, but the the culmination was Saturday night, uh, winning the state title, making some history for uh, Myers Park. And uh, I know you, you you like to say a lot of times, uh, you know, this is a business trip, so I'm sure the business of next season <laughs> has already begun, but I wanted to take a moment and congratulate you and uh, hear from you. So uh, great job and uh, good luck with everything from here on out. Thanks, Bo, Beth. Um, I, we're going to give it a little bit of time. I don't want to be moving on to next season quite yet. Um, it was it was something that you, you hope that everybody gets to appreciate, and I, it didn't really sink into me until I got to watch TV copy yesterday. So um, we're going to be appreciative and grateful for it, and, and just the number of people that were there and the amount of our students, how invested they were, um, the appreciation and gratefulness that comes with that doesn't leave real fast. So. Next year we'll get there. Um, well, I, yeah, right now we're going to appreciate being state champion. That's what I said when I texted him yesterday. I, he said any chance to uh, to soak soak it in more from Saturday again on Monday is is something he wanted to do. So congrats, Aww. coach, and thanks for Yay. coming on. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Monday morning in the Ty Boyd studio, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman. We've got the Zoke here, John Moore and Bernie and think the week is over you think things are winding down Zoki's out on the golf course oh my gosh I was and his phone starts blowing up saying so what do you think what do you think of the trade and Zoki's like uh wait what huh what and I know a lot of you probably were caught off guard by this too because you know you're, you're thinking that the weekend I had just finished talking to Brett Winterbull you know doing our cross yeah. the stream things yeah. and we were talking you know what's coming up on the show on Monday and I said oh you know it'll be selection uh selection Sunday and bracket Monday and we'll be talking about basketball and little did I know <laughs> the biggest story to hit the Carolina Panthers in a long time uh, maybe since Cam Newton was selected with the number one pick all those years ago uh, now all of a sudden Jim Zoki uh the Panthers are on the clock Friday morning at 10 I recorded an interview with a Panthers uh, affiliate station in Greenville North Carolina and they were running it during their 5 o'clock show. Guess which hour the trade came down. So anybody listening in Greenville, North Carolina, I apologize. I'm not as dumb as I appear to be not acknowledging that the Panthers have made a trade because I'd recorded it seven hours earlier. <gasps> wow. <laughs> I texted the guy who's the host. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Because it kind of came down like right during that exact half hour when it was running. Right, right. But it was, um, yeah, no, it's exciting, first of all. And, uh, the, and um, the more I thought about it over the weekend, the more I thought, they, this is the trade they had to make is to go to number one uh, because of the fact that, to me, there are two 
above the four quarterbacks that are in a higher stratosphere going in. And you never know how a career is going to play out. Mm-hmm. But pre-draft, heading in with what we know, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. So you'd have to be in the top two. Well, Houston's number two, and they're, they're not going to come out of the top two because they want a quarterback also. Uh, but Chicago wanted to trade out because they have their quarterback in Justin Fields, and they thought they could get value, and they made a great trade. Uh, so for the Panthers, the more I thought about it, go, this is the trade they had to make. And I even like Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee, who's like the fifth quarterback who may go in the second round, a la Jalen Hurts. But where would that land? Or would it be late first? As someone, and so if you gamble to trade down or wait, he could be gone at any moment, and you're, you're completely out of the quarterback derby altogether. So if you stayed at nine, you're probably not going to have a pick to the fifth quarterback because four quarterbacks will go uh, before nine, I think, 100% for sure. So it was a trade they had to make, and it's exciting. Uh, I don't think they'll trade down. There's been a lot of talk about trading down because I don't think you can leave that top two, and I don't think Houston's going anywhere. Uh, so I think they will make that first pick overall. Who are the quarterbacks that we're eyeing? Who do you think that we want if we're going in for that first pick? Is there one that really stands out to you of the four that you know will go in the first round? There's two, and it's C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, and it's uh, Bryce Young from Alabama. Did you just say that and I missed it? No. no. Okay, good. <laughs> no, <laughs> in, in, Unless you meant just now when I just said it. In fact, you, you've opened the door because if people are, I mean, I think most people have heard this by now, but just in case, uh, the actual trade is is this. The, in, in exchange for the number one pick, the Panthers send pick number nine, like Zoki was talking about, also pick 61, a first-round pick in 2024, a second-round pick in 2025, and perhaps the most surprising part of this that people didn't see coming, wide receiver D.J. Moore. So you're, you're franchise wide receiver is now gone a few months after your franchise running back that's was right traded for three draft picks in christian mccaffrey so there's certainly uh, work to be done um but the cupboard is not bare they do have a second round pick still because they had one from the mccaffrey trade they have a third round pick uh as well they have two in the fourth so they do have some uh, assets this year to draft uh, beyond the first round and um but back to your question cj stroud the, the biggest difference is cj stroud is six foot three bryce young is five foot ten they're both very good. They're both very accurate. They come from huge programs. They've had huge success. Uh, Bryce Young, the smaller one, is more mobile, can flat-out run. Uh, C.J. Stroud is not much of a runner. He can, but he's not much of one. Uh, so it's kind of your your flavor of what you want to go. I think C.J. Stroud, being from Ohio State, uh, the bigger player, fits more of what Frank Reich is used to. He's always had bigger stature quarterbacks. Yeah, okay. Uh, remember Baker Mayfield when he was here, the batted passes? I'm not saying that would necessarily happen with Bryce Young, but – that's another thing to consider. But isn't there the option that the first-round pick quarterback, and I'm going to point it out that Baker Mayfield went in the first round, they can turn out to be a turd? Never know. Because you just don't know. I think that's strong language for Baker. Is it? That's strong language but they could be. But they could be. They... Can you say turd? Twice. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently you can. Um, do I hear three? <laughs> I wouldn't call Baker that. I would say well, he was. But, he, I think he's been mediocre. But he played like a game here, and then we shot him over to another team. You yep. know, like this is what I worry about. That, but I no, it's, I, it's very got rid of it's DJ very Moore. uneven. Yeah, I think you know, Kyler Murray a couple years ago was a smaller stature quarterback as well, and he's not been one to lead them to great playoff hopes or anything like that in Arizona. Well, Beth in the punch bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone out of the pool. (laughs) Duty! All right, it's a busy morning, and that continues. We're expecting the president to make comments just past the top of the hour, although we expected that at the top of this past hour, and it didn't happen. So we'll all find out together whether... President Biden will be speaking about the uh, the state of the financial industry with the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. 
And uh, so stay with us. We also have March Madness. Okay, crank the music. And the North Carolina Tar Heels, not part of March Madness this year. Mm-hmm. Only, only the Tar Heels are a, a big enough brand, a big enough team to still be in the headlines when they did not make the NCAA tournament. In fact, they didn't even make, they made it, but they turned down the NIT, which is why everybody's talking about the heels and whether or not Hubert Davis and company should accept that bid when there is precedent in recent history for it. Roy Williams and uh, Dean Smith both accepted bids to the NIT when that kind of season was rolling around. But there have been people who have pointed out that apparently back in the uh, David Thompson era NC State Wolf back in the 70s, they turned down an NIT bid one time. and That's a whole different era, though, honestly. Yeah, I mean, well, truly. And, and we got into the conversation. I said, uh, <laughs> rather demonstrably, in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, uh, you, I think Beth said, has anybody I ever asked. turned down an NCAA bid? And I said, nope, end of story. And, of course, we had several people who called and said, well, actually, that has happened. Yes, Eric Barlow and Bernie Bowles Thank over you. here. Thank you, Bernie Bowles had it Said that, no, first. in 1970, Marquette turned down the NCAA tournament because they were kind of got their panties in a wad about not being seated in the appropriate place. Well, or they're feeling uh, better about your turd comment or now. <laughs> or their gym shorts or whatever <laughs> you want to say. Their gym shorts in a wad about not being seated correctly or, or appropriately. Yes, or, Coach Al McGuire had his panties in a wad. Well, come on, that's the term when you get angry, right? But to Jim's point, it can diff- be. different eras... And so I'll say in modern times, you wouldn't have a team turned down. It was a different area. The NIT was more prominent, right? Right. Back then? Yes. It used to be a big deal. Like the NIT was the tournament, and then the NCAA took prestige. I can't tell you exactly when, but if you go back to 1970, there was at least some amount of equal or even ahead that the NIT was a bigger deal. Let's ask Bernie. (laughs) (laughs) Just just cut to the chase. Eric, just let us know. Eric Barlow will will let us know. Or ask Jeeves. We'll uh, combine them together. Bernie Barlow. Uh, It's one dynamic human being. All right, look, congratulations to the other local state basketball champs. We talked to Scott Taylor, the head head coach of the Myers Park Mustangs. Yeah, I was there at the game at the Dean Dome on uh, on Saturday night watching Myers Park beat Richmond Senior, and uh, we should also mention the 3A state title winning team. Yes, Ken Miller over in Concord sent me an email and said, good morning, Beth, the Central Cabarrus Vikings. They are the 3A men's basketball champs. They won on Saturday night also. And Bernie, were you saying that they were undefeated? All season long, like completely undefeated. Way to go! Did Eric Bears tell you Vikings. that, or did you know that? I had a you, you knew about it on your own. Okay. Oh, oh, we got a caller. I love our listeners so much. So Ken Miller let us know, and the, <laughs> our the, fact checking. I know they call to let us know <laughs> things. They never call us when we say something right. Like just hey, just want to let you guys know you got that segment right. <laughs> way to go! <laughs> the phones light up if you are a little bit off. And by the way, uh, the two A women champion Salisbury. And the 3A women champion, West Rowan. So there Guys, are your there's state something champions. in the water here. I'm excited about the future. <laughs> well, let's just I believe the, the children right are there. the future. <laughs> Teach them well and let them lead the way. Come on. I mean, just think about. Because they're young and they're going to be grown-ups? Or? No. I mean, think about all of the, the – I mean, right here in this little tiny region, all of the champions that are right here. So the future of basketball is bright. Uh, you're not wrong. I'm just – it's great. <laughs> you're not wrong. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. You guys. The future is bright. The future is I don't, bright. I mean, you're not wrong. 
the future's so bright, guys, I've got to wear shades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently the only other place they come from is Richmond or something. Yeah. Or Lumberton. All right, uh, so we have Mick Mulvaney coming up next hour, who will be live from London. And uh, if things work out the way the White House is saying, he may be able to react in real time to uh, what's happening with uh, President Biden's remarks on uh, SVB, the uh, Silicon Valley bank that has collapsed. And what does this mean uh, for the rest of the uh, financial industry? And we also have, John Moore, let me have uh, from the, the cut sheet today, uh, the Oscar cut number two, because last night at the Academy Awards, see what kind of Monday it is, see all this stuff? 95th Academy Awards last night, mm-hmm. and uh, we talked about short round, uh, Kiwi Kwan winning. Kiwi Kwan, who was also Data from Goonies. Yep, <laughs> and he's also short round from uh, Indiana Jones. But Jamie Lee Curtis won last night, and the movie that had won seven Oscars, one of which was hers, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this? I have not seen it yet. I went to, I watched The Fablemans over the weekend. I always like to try to watch a lot of the Oscars movies before the Oscars. I tried to watch it. It's not available for rent until November of this year. Wow. So you can only buy it. So right now it's 20 bucks to buy, but I think they're showing it on like Stars or Showtime if you're a subscriber to one of those how, things. How many copies will the will Blockbuster get at each store? I know. <laughs> I think it's on Cinemax. Yeah. <laughs> Friday night. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis after winning last night. Stop. I have 45 seconds and I promised Janet Yang I wouldn't do it well cuz I'm a good girl. I know it looks like I'm standing up here by myself, but I am not. I am hundreds of people. I'm hundreds of people. I am the, where are the Daniels? Daniels, Jonathan, Leyline, the entire crew, my bae Michelle, Key, Steph, the entire art group of artists who made this movie. We just won an Oscar. Um, to my dream team. Um, my agent, Rick Kurtzman, Alan Wertheimer, Heidi Schaefer, Sean James, Grace Ahn, Jane Ross. We just won an Oscar. To my family, my beautiful husband, Christopher Guest. Our daughters, Annie and Ruby. My sister, Kelly, we just won an Oscar. To all of the people who have supported the genre movies that I have made for all these years, the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. We just won an Oscar together. And my mother and my father were both nominated for Oscars in different categories. I just won an Oscar. It just gets me. Beth's really crying again. It gets me in my heart when she says that about her parents. And I mean, to think how many years she has been in this industry. And this was her first nomination. And she wins. And no one thought she was going to win. Everybody thought Angela Bassett was going to win. And the best moment was not, well, the speech was fantastic. But when they announced her name, she grabbed Christopher Guest's leg and said, shut up. <laughs> I'm glad that's all she said. <laughs> I just, uh, she said in that clip that she had 45 seconds. She went longer than 45 seconds. Seconds. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't have played the clip. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
breaking news. Glad to get it because uh, news talk 1110 WBT. We're going to break in right now and join the president in Washington. Speak about what's happening to Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. And their hardworking employees can breathe easier as well. Last week, when we learned of the problems of the banks and the impact they could have on jobs of small businesses and banking systems overall, I instructed my team to act quickly to protect these interests. And they've done that. They've done that. On Friday, the government regulator in charge, the FDIC, took control of Silicon Valley Bank's assets. And over the weekend, it took control of Signature Bank's assets. Treasury Secretary Yellen and a team of banking regulators have taken action, immediate action. And here are the highlights. First, all customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured, I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll, pay their bills, and stay open for business. No losses will be, and I want, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Because of the actions of that, because of the actions that our regulators have already taken, every American should feel confident that their deposits will be there if and when they need them. Second, the management of these banks will be fired. If the bank is taken over by FDIC, the people running the bank should not work there anymore. Third, investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. That's how capitalism works. And fourth, there are important questions of how these banks got into the circumstance in the first place. We must get the full accounting of what happened and why those responsible can be held accountable. In my administration, no one, in my administration, no one is above the law. And finally, we must reduce the risk of this happening again. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. I'm going to ask Congress and the banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely this kind of bank failure would happen again and to protect American jobs and small businesses. Look, the bottom line is this. Americans can rest assured that our banking system is safe. Your deposits are safe. Let me also assure you, we will not stop at this. We'll do whatever is needed. On top of all that, let's also take a look at a moment to put the situation in a broader context. We've made strong economic progress in the past two years. We've created more than 12 million new jobs. More jobs in two years than any president has ever created in a single four-year term. Unemployment is below 4 percent for 14 straight months. Take-home pay for workers is going up, especially for lower- and middle-income workers. And we've seen record numbers of people apply to start new businesses, more than 10 million of them. 
more than 10 million applications over the last two years, starting businesses. Now we need to keep the program, this progress going. That's what swift action that my administration over the past few years is all about, protecting depositors, protecting the banking system, protecting the economic gains we've made together for the American people. Thank you, and God bless you, and may God protect our troops. See you in California. Mr. President, what do you know? News Talk 1110 WBT, that is the end of uh, very short comments made by President Biden, uh, about, about three or four minutes worth there, uh, where he outlined four actions uh, that now will be taken by the U.S. government in relation to this collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank over the weekend, Beth. And uh, the four actions he laid out right there, just in case you missed them, uh, no losses will be borne by U.S. taxpayers. So that is a promise mm -hmm. uh, that he's made with the action taken. Number two, management of these banks uh, will uh, management of these banks will be fired. So uh, the people that are were in place that led to this collapse, uh, th that management team, those management teams will be relieved of their services. Number three, investors in these banks will not be protected. And number four, a full-scale investigation, uh, which I'm sure has already begun, but a full-scale investigation of the situation that led to this uh, will, will happen in the coming days. Uh, he's also asked Congress to uh, strengthen bank regulations overall. But uh, a short, short uh, remarks there from the president uh, in the wake of these actions. If you look at the uh, futures markets right now, uh, not good. Dow futures down 324 points as we speak. S&P futures down 44. NASDAQ futures down uh, almost 100. And, of course, we're about... Uh, what, 24 minutes away from uh, the markets opening here in the United States. So uh, we'll monitor that. Uh, we'll get reaction. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking with Mick Mulvaney, although I think he's had a flight delay. So he may or may not be uh, calling in uh, as he normally does in the 9 o'clock hour. But uh, breaking news here on WBT, and uh, on we go. From News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, this is Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. All right, back at it. Busy News Monday coming from all angles. And uh, the president, you knew he had to make some sort of statement yes. today. Get out in front of this. Of course, uh, the action uh, taken over the weekend uh, by the, the government, uh, you know, the joint action between the, the Fed, the Treasury and the FDIC uh, to uh, guarantee up until a point. Uh, people who have investments uh, in those banks. Well, people who have accounts, yes. People who have things like checking accounts and accounts, things, that's yeah, what I'm things like yeah. that. They are insured through the FDIC, which was started, as um, you know, many historians would tell you, uh, because of the Great Depression, but uh, up to $250,000. So if you have you know, more than that, um, you know, there are questions about what happens, but you're insured up to $250,000. I think the most important thing that he said that people have been concerned about, especially those of us who are taxpayers who lived through the 2008 financial crisis, we know that taxpayers bailed out those banks. In this case, he is saying that no taxpayer money is going to be used in order to protect SVB. Um, instead, all of the money that goes there, which I think is around like 25 Right now, are they saying $25 million, mm -hmm. um, is from fees that the bank has paid into um, uh, into the, the system. So they're, they're using the, the bank's fees themselves in order to pay for this. They're also saying that managers will be fired, which is one of those things you like to hear, especially given the fact that we heard on Friday that right before the, um, the feds took over this bank that bonuses were paid out. 
to a lot of these managers and that, that stocks, millions of dollars worth of stocks were sold and that people were making money off of what was about to happen, which is a kind of what we lived through in the 2008 financial crisis when we saw the banks get bailed out and then we heard about all of these bonuses going through and a lot of us felt Uh, To me at the time, it felt like a punch to the gut. Um, I I think it's good that they're saying, hey, look, we need to investigate exactly why this happened. We need to understand this. And the idea of reducing the risk, um, you know, some people are not in favor of of regulations. But uh, in 2018, the Dodd-Frank regulations were changed. Um, There was a $50 trillion ceiling where um, banks had to report about their solvency, that got changed to I, I think it was a 200 trillion or 250 trillion. Um, so this bank was around the 125 trillion dollar mark. Let me make sure it was. Yeah, it was 250. Sorry, 250 billion. I said trillion. 250 billion dollar mark, and they this bank was in the 175 to 210 range. So they fell under where they were needing to um, report what was going on about their solvency. Silicon Valley Bank, the 16th largest bank in the country, collapsing. Uh, it's the largest bank collapse since the Great Depression. Uh, Silicon Valley, uh, Valley Bank is the second biggest bank collapse in U.S. history. So you, you may not be all that familiar with SVB, or maybe you are, but at any rate, people are waking up this morning and trying to get their arms around uh, this and what it means. President Biden obviously getting out in front of this because we remember back to 2008 and uh, other times along our nation's history where you had uh, financial potential catastrophes. Uh, so this is going to be interesting to watch today, and uh, we're, we're just about 20 minutes away. Uh, we've been talking about the futures markets all morning, which are all in the red right now, but the actual uh, market here in the United States opening just past 930, uh, that will be an indicator uh, right out of the chute there as to uh, you know how this is going to affect uh, the financial industry at large. I mean, you have this this bank in particular, a popular, uh, a popular bank for uh, uh tech investors, and you have companies like Roku that have a lot of money tied up in this, Spotify, a lot of, uh, uh, of brand names that you know, uh, especially when you mention something like Roku in this age of uh, you know, cutting the cord from cable and people mm-hmm. moving into the, the, the rise of streaming. Um, when you hear about uh, a bank like this and, and its investors and, its, uh, and the people that bank there and the companies that are doing business here, you, you see how uh, it's not you know, SVB by itself is one thing, but what does it do to the confidence of people who are using banks like this all across the country? If all of a sudden there's a run on all of those at once, mm-hmm. that is the big fear. Right. And it's not like this is a brand new bank. It's not like we're thinking we're not we're not talking about cryptocurrency, something that's relatively new. This bank has been around since 1983. And as you just said, Bo, they specialize in uh, tech startups and um, healthcare companies. And for people who are thinking, okay, is this similar to what happened in the financial crisis in 2008? This is a little bit different. Um, I I was kind of trying to break this down over the weekend as I was looking at it. Um, The longer version of this, there were a lot of forces that collided to actually take down this banker. First, there was the, the Federal Reserve, which began raising interest rates a year ago to tame inflation. The Fed moved aggressively and the higher borrowing costs zapped the momentum of tech stocks that had benefited banks like SVB. And as news came in about their solvency last week, about midweek around Wednesday, people started running on the bank. As Bo was mentioning, that means that they went to the bank trying to 
take out their cash. And there just wasn't enough to to keep the bank sustained. So there have been talks about other banks potentially coming in. There were talks Friday, at least, about banks coming in and taking over um, this particular bank. But uh, as you heard from uh, from President Biden, the federal government right now is stepping in. This is continuing coverage on News Talk 1110-993 WPT Breaking News. U.S. Treasury announcing it will back Silicon Valley Bank deposits beyond the federally insured ceiling of $250,000. Of course, uh, we've been talking all morning about the joint action by the Fed, the Treasury, and the FDIC. And then uh, just a few minutes ago, the president made uh, some remarks just past 9 o'clock, outlining four actions now from his administration. Uh, He says no no losses will be borne by U.S. taxpayers. He says the management of these banks, uh, will the management team will be fired. Uh, He says investors uh, in these banks will not be protected, and uh, there will be a full investigation of the situation that led to where we are this morning. Uh, We're now going to bring in our buddy Brett Winterbull for a bonus segment here because, I don't know, there's some breaking news to talk about since the last time we spoke with you uh, just a few hours ago. You, you heard the president, I assume. What are you making of all of this? Yeah, he, he needs to, like, try to keep uh, confidence uh, high in the market. Um, he, he did that. That's why he didn't take any questions on the back end of his statement. Because he wants to make the statement, say, listen, the government is on top of this. We're looking at this. We're working on this. Don't worry about it. We're cool. Um, and, and, and we can you know, believe the banking system is safe. So he had to hit all those things. That's why I mentioned that earlier uh, in the show. But when, when you look at like the way some of these numbers are, are moving out there, you're, you're starting to see Treasury returns come down. I mean, they're, they're starting to come down uh, precipitously. I mean, on the 7th. They were at four four uh, percent. Okay, uh, this morning they have dropped from what are we the thirteenth? So they, they have they have come down from three nine to three four seven, which is like a half a point drop in the Treasury uh, rates. The VIX, which is the volatility index, um, it's it's a way you can bet inside the market on whether or not things are cool or things are uncertain. The higher that number goes. Uh, the more uncertain it is. So it's gone up four points. It's gone up 19% since like this morning. Um, So people are worried. And then you look at the oil, you look at the oil prices, oil has dropped as well. So here's the question. Uh, And I don't know who's going to talk about this, but you have a bunch of people who have been out there buying and paying for mortgages, uh, credit cards. Credit cards won't matter as much, but mortgages, people who locked in rates at mortgages that were higher, right, than, than they would be now. Now they're coming down. Uh, that, that would certainly make somebody mad if they just bought a house in, in the last uh, few weeks with the higher rates. The Treasury yields are plunging the most since the 1980s right now. Usually Treasuries are super boring and, you know, they just they just kind of uh, piddle along there um, with things. So it's, it's, hard, it's hard to know where this is all, all going to go. But uh, there's a third bank that's being talked about uh, out there as, as potentially uh, having an issue. And that's First Republic Bank dropping 60 percent. They're leading the decline in the, uh, in the, in the stocks. That, that can be just people pummeling that bank for whatever reason. I mean, it, it, we, we don't know what the cause of that is. But it's one of these things where you start to get a little bit of panic kicking in. Mm-hmm. And the question now is going to be, um, what's the reaction going to be in the Congress? Because now you've just had 
Biden give this speech, McCarthy is going to be compelled to say something. Schumer is going to be compelled to say something. Hakeem Jeffries is going to have to say something because you've got to keep people confident uh, about the market. And that's that's the big thing, right? Do you think that the, the, the Congress goes back and, and tries to do what, what Biden said and bring some of those regulations back into play that got rolled yeah. back in 2018? I, I don't know if that's going to be possible. You know, they used to have these loans called ninja loans, uh, no income, no job. Uh, they, they would just you, you could just go in there and sign a piece of paper and they'd give you a mortgage. Yeah, right? It was that's the 100 percent financing loans, exactly. the predatory loans, and, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Right. So. This other bank, the, the the second bank that's involved in this, not Silicon Valley, uh, Silvergate, I think, is the other Signature? one. Signature? Signature. Yeah. Signature Bank. Sorry about that. S- S- Signature Bank. Um, Barney Frank was on the board of that, and he was the guy who was one of the pioneers. Of Dodd-Frank. Uh, but before Dodd-Frank, he was a pioneer of ninja loans and no, um, you know, no background checks on borrowing money. Uh, so... It, it, this is something I talk about all the time on my show. I talk about the system failed, and, and that's the number one dodge everybody always uses. Oh, the system failed. The system failed. You can't blame Steve. You can't blame Bob. It's the system failing. And so they're going to have to figure this out. Regulation isn't going to make people whole if this thing starts to slide and people start freaking out. I, I, I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, Jerome Powell may be getting fired and not raising more rates. Might be a good place to start to show that you're going to change things up. But a lot of people are speculating right now that these that the raising of the rates is is going to be at a minimum on pause. Maybe it's done. We're at this weird fever pitch, right, where we're seeing this happen along with inflation. These two things happening simultaneously. It's this strange um, economic. uh, Well, hmm. The easiest way to do it is to have an economic crisis and then everybody taps their savings and they, oh. they blow through all their savings and now you don't have an inflation problem. Bo and Beth here on a Monday. Busy Monday. Boy, howdy. Man, what is... I've been around here for a while. I haven't seen many Mondays quite like this. We try to hit it all for you like we always do. And uh, the latest item is the fact that the markets have just opened uh, in the wake of the collapse of uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, over the weekend, in, at the very end of last week, and President Biden making comments moments ago. I'll get to some of those, but uh, 704-570-1110, what's your level of concern uh, with all of this as you wake up on a Monday and you've watched the news over the weekend, and it has, it has escalated quickly. What's the movie where said that? Escalated quickly? Well, yes, that it, escalated quickly. It, so uh, you, we, we've heard from the experts. We've heard from the president. We'd like to hear from you as well, 704-570-1110. Some of the local financial minds out there that listen to the show, I'd love to know, uh, like I said, what's your concern level here? Is this like a 2008 or is at least your, your anxiety about it like 2008? Right. Are, are you thinking, because when I saw this, my immediate reaction was, and I know that it's not a, it's not the same kind of financial institution, but I thought about Bear Stearns. I thought about that news breaking when Bear Stearns collapsed. And we were thinking, what? And then we started seeing everything spiral downward. And that's how movies and books like the, you know, the Too Big to Fail uh, came about, because people started understanding what led to um, a, 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 a collapse like the one that we saw in 2008. Oh, look, the lines are lighting up. So that means that people, we've got the financial minds who are calling in. Um, the people were understanding, that those who were in the know understood what led to 2008. This scenario is a little bit, a little bit different um, because this particular collapse was caused by 
basically people understanding that they didn't have en- enough to keep up with what was the, w- all the people running on the bank to get their money out. And like we said, uh, when you talk about banks the size of, of, of SVB and the type of bank that it is, uh, the, what does the confidence level, what happens to the confidence level of people that are using similar banks across the country? And if all those have people hitting them up at the same time, you see how this becomes a domino effect and you see how you end up in a, a rather sizable financial crisis for the country and for the industry. Uh, President Biden making comments just past 9 a.m. this morning and outlining a list of four things that his administration uh, is doing as we speak to try to combat this. And over the weekend, it took control of signal banks assets. Treasury Secretary Yellen and a team of banking regulators have taken action, immediate action. And here are the highlights. First, all customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured, I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll, pay their bills and stay open for business. No losses will be, and I'm on, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Because of the actions of that, because of the actions that our regulators have already taken, every American should feel confident that their deposits will be there if and when they need them. Second, the management of these banks will be fired. If the bank is taken over by FDIC, the people running the bank should not work there anymore. Third, investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. And the fourth, uh, an investigation, a more detailed investigation of the situation that led to all of this. We have people, uh, Beth, who want to talk about it. So let's go to the phone line, 704-570-1110. Christian. Welcome to WBT. Hi, Christian. Hi, good morning, Bo and Beth. How are y'all? We're doing great. We hope you are. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to comment on the bank collapse. Yeah, is it making you nervous? No, no, no. no. Well, well, the bank collapse is making me a little nervous because it's probably going to be like 2008 all over again and and. And what I mean by that is people need to think about the families who are low income, who are trying to put food on the table. Right. Well, I think one of the things that people are concerned about, I mean, I I was watching some uh, some news stories yesterday about some of the small tech businesses um, who are part of SVB and they are their payroll is through SVB. And, you know, these are small tech companies that employ 15 to 30 people. And think about that. Think about the 15 to 30 families who might be struggling to put food on the table and, 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 and pay their mortgages because suddenly their payroll can't be met because of the company that they're working for. Ronnie, let's uh, go to Ronnie on line one. Welcome to WBT. Hey, uh, thanks, man. I just wanted to uh, see if anybody else thought about this. Now, I know in 208, uh, they got, the banks got bailed out. Yeah. Uh, but I don't remember the government putting a bank into place to sort of overtake everything. And this one, they said that they was going to start a new bank called Bridge Bank to sort of handle what they're doing and sort of running through that. To me, it sort of sounds like now the government's trying to get into their own little bank. And uh, I don't know, it's just one of those things where 
it scared me when the government says we got we got your back. You know what I mean? Well, then the government's the government remembers what happened in 2008 and is trying to get out ahead of this. I mean, this is as we've talked about so much. So much of this is psychological. So much of this yes. is everybody calm down and and don't do anything rash because if everybody does something rash at the same time, that's where the the problem lies. Right. What if everyone did a run on every bank that we bank with? You know, and all most of our banking is digital. And the thing that we don't think about is these are all. Um, uh, ones and zeros, basically, in the world of the computer land when we are banking and transferring money back and forth. Uh, if we all went and tried to to get our cash out, that would be a li- there'd be a liquidity problem. There'd be a is the is the correct term solvency a solvency problem? I have never ever been an expert in the uh, the field of economics. I took econ one hundred and one <laughs> at Carolina, and it was the only time that I had an ups- upset stomach during finals because it made me so insanely nervous. Well, if you're running about the Dow, the Dow, which is uh, you know the stock market has been open for twelve minutes now in the wake of all of this, uh, Dow's down one seventy seven. Um, so uh, everything's in the red, as you might expect out of the gate. Uh, how much in the red or as much as you thought? That depends on who you are. But we're going to be watching it for you all day long here on WBT 943. News Talk 1110 WBT. Bo and Beth here in the Ty Boyd studio. What do they mean when they said just another manic Monday? Like today's been manic. Wow, it has. But not in a bad way. Like a manic Monday for us is just a busy Monday. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what manic really means? Yeah, yeah. Full of a lot of stuff, a I mean, lot of energy. Susanna Hoffs was saying it kind of like, just another manic. But I'm saying it's a manic Monday. Oh well, I think that I think that I think that she was also I, I think that she was also saying it's crazy. Yeah, well, it's been a crazy Monday, but that's what we're built for here. You know, well, when you have as many stories coming at you as as we've had today. Uh, we've got to get through it all. And uh, by the time you get to the water cooler, you can talk about it all. I mean, it's it's Selection Sunday, Monday. Is that what we say? Selection Sunday, Monday. Selection Sunday, Monday. The, the morning after uh, the brackets were built. So Bernie just printed me out a bracket. Like, this is a nice full-color bracket. Thank you, Bernie. Do you know what I think is funny is that Bernie didn't even say, hey, Beth, do you want one, too? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he didn't ask you. You didn't even ask. <laughs> well, John Moore said he's not filling one out, so you don't have nah, to be Taking a one. break this year. How funny would it be is if I filled one out and beat you guys? Well, I, I think now we have to do it. Bernie, so. can you print out one I for think, Beth? I think you need to print one out for me, and I think you also need to print out – a. And are there teams on the bracket? Can can you tell me who's in the tournament? <laughs> yes, Beth, there are 68. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. Is there an award for if you get all 68? How cool would that be? Is there a place where I can enter that for like a million bucks or well, something? Every year uh, ESPN does uh, – I've never seen anybody get a perfect bracket, but they always like one or two weeks in say this is the last perfect bracket or the last – the closest to perfect bracket. But Shouldn't there be a website where if you get a perfect bracket, there's like it's like the lottery, you get a, a lot of money or something? Uh, yeah. Does anybody know about that? I'd love to know if there's a place because I'm going to fill a bracket out and I'm going to enter it into a contest. But your rules, your rules are different than most. My okay? rules are based on costumes. But all of these <laughs> shows that come out, and ESPN, I guarantee, is doing it right now. They probably are doing it for the next four days straight. But all of these channels and all of these shows will do their bracket breakdowns, mm-hmm. right? You're not allowed to watch any of those. Right. You can't do any of it. I want your bracket to be filled out just with no aid other than what is in your cranium. I'm going to be 100% honest. I've never seen a bracket. So now I'm, I mean, I've seen them drawn out, but I've never actually had one printed out for me. So 
So what's on the far corners, those are the teams that are already placed together. Those are the first rounds of games, and they're already set. Correct. So then I do the bracket based on what I think of those games. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be so fun. This is like a decision wait, wait a tree. Did you just ask me, am I supposed to say who I think wins? Is that what you asked? Yeah. 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 And then... <laughs> As opposed to what? Pick the loser. Well, I think I'd be really good at that too. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna make. You've a, never filled out a bracket. I have never filled out a bracket, and not because I'm not interested. I just, you know, it's just not. I guess it's just not my thing. So that does sound like I'm not interested, doesn't it? I, it's just not been. I've watched the games, especially if Carolina was in. You know, I'm one of those people that picks up at around the Sweet 16, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, the Elite Eight, and then the just in case people were wondering. Then it goes to the Final Four, everyone. <laughs> and then the National Championship. I'm kind of that fair-weather basketball person. So that's why. That's why. So I know that you have your little cute little boys trip this weekend where mm-hmm. you guys go and play with your brackets and, I don't know, build director sets of basketball brackets. I don't know what y'all do. That, um, that escalated quickly. <laughs> No, this is my March Madness weekend coming up. Do you all right. just we, sit and watch basketball? Of course. And do you do you have like a big whiteboard? And drink a few uh, adult beverages. But do you have like a whiteboard where you have the brackets up and all of no. you are competing against each other's brackets? We don't have a whiteboard. We have uh, the internet, oh. which keeps score for us. Uh, but I feel, like the, I feel like a whiteboard <laughs> would be way more fun. You could just write know. them in May, with a Sharpie. Maybe I'll bring a whiteboard. Maybe that's a good idea. You should bring a whiteboard and, and have a, a giant bracket and then have your names at the top. We have multiple TVs so we can watch multiple games at once. You know, and then we, uh, you know, we, we go out to hit a restaurant or two, hit a bar or whatever. Oh. You know. Oh. So it, you, like, go out. I, I thought you guys just stayed in and didn't shower, like, at a cabin or something. Well, we don't shower, but we go out. No. No, I'm kidding. I don't want to be wherever you That's guys are. That's not what we do. <laughs> no, but, I mean, uh, this is, uh, yeah, we, we it, it's, I mean, it's all basketball all the time. And, and, and for somebody like me, it's, it's like we try to re- – there is a sports bar down the road that sometimes we go to, but we try to create the whole sports bar theme inside where we are. Is there a food that is bracket-worthy? Is it, a, is it wings? Yes, is all it, of them. Oh, it's all of them. So is it like <laughs> mozzarella sticks and wings and like dip? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, I, that Steak. I can get into. Oh. You know. So you grill out. But, yeah, we grill out. You grill out. Mm-hmm. And it's just the boys. Oh, just the boys. Just How many of you? Uh, I think this time we got eight, eight maybe. <gasps> Do y'all all sleep in the same room in like little sleeping bags? No. We have we have uh, several rooms. Separate rooms. Several. Oh, several. So oh, so you have to yeah. share. Not the same bed, but the same room. <laughs> I'm learning so much. I had no Wait a idea. Minute. You just went uh, what three weeks ago, where where you all were terrorized by the sparrow. Yeah, terrorized by a tiny little bird. Yeah, you just went on the girls' weekend, and that's what that's a. From what I could tell, because you shot video of the of the bird that attacked and menaced your your weekend. If you guys weren't with us, you can go back and listen on the podcast. But Beth Beth and her friends were like, what, four people there? There were three of us. Three of us. There were three of us, yeah. You know, like a little chickadee flew into the door or whatever it was. <laughs> and like you would have thought it was a, you know, like a hawk. A hawk. A bald Some, eagle. A bald eagle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would have thought it was that thing was coming in for. Red meat. But I love that you guys share bedrooms and stuff because now on girls trips, we tend to only go places where we can have our own rooms, where we can have our own like, space. Because I think we, I think girls are concerned about snoring or, or waking someone up or, you know, like the things that might. But I guess dudes don't care. 
Well, when when this dude finds a place that's got eight separate bedrooms, <laughs> then, then maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll take up residence there. But right now, that's not an option. <laughs> but I had no idea when I first started this job that you were such a huge basketball fan, and now I well, know. I wouldn't even say I'm I'm such a huge basketball fan. I'm just a huge sports fan. Like I'll watch anything. Really, I mean, I I I'm not a huge soccer or hockey guy. That's not to say I won't watch. I will on occasion, but, but, but really, I'm the kind of guy, and Zoki and I talk about this, I'm that guy that has to have sports on in the background. All the time. Yeah. Is I your mean, wife a huge sports person? Not like me, but I mean, you know, we have other rooms where she can watch whatever they watch, Dateline and Jeopardy and Date, all that stuff. Dateline is absolutely. If I could do a, a Dateline bracket, I'd probably be pretty good at that. Well, you know, uh, a lot of who is guilty. A lot of radio shows this time of year will do uh, alternate brackets. You know, like we could do that. I mean, you know, breakfast cereals. Oh. Or, you know, uh, cartoon villains, or I don't know, you, you, pizza. I mean, that's that's kind of a, a common thing to do. You fill out your brackets, and then while you're waiting for the games, because here's the thing: you fill out your brackets today and tomorrow, and then you wait. Let's do a restaurant bracket. How fun would that be? Like best burgers. Best pizza. Mm-hmm. Does pizza beat burger? Like how you know? Yeah, yeah. See, now you're talking. Okay, that bracket. I I am all in. But but back to this Sorry. bracket. <laughs> I want you to fill out. I want you to fill out this bracket with no help. Like nobody's telling you what to do. You're not like behind my back going and say, Zoki, what do you think about uh, you know the southeast region? Region? Uh, no, none of that. I just want you to fill it out based on whatever your criteria is, and then we're gonna we're gonna update everybody's brackets. I might have to. Really get, uh, I'm going to have to force John Moore to fill out one of these. To, I am not. I want John Moore to compare his with yours. I I'll, I'll do an NIT bracket. How about that? <laughs> yeah, and the Tar Heels will win it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I promise I will not. I'm not even going to look anything up. I'm not going to look up a single team. I'm not even going to look up their, their uniforms. I'm, I'm just going to go with my gut instinct when I read the names. Go by the teams that have the most tattoos. Well, see, I'm not even going to do that. Because that would require me looking them up. They- I'd have to look up pictures. Wait a minute. We, we all, if you've been listening to this show in recent weeks, we know how this ends already. It's so obvious. It's right there. You know, it's going to say national champion, Sacramento King. 